podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. It's, it's fun when I like have no idea who that person is. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> the sound. Very supplied to us. Clip. Uh, you know what? <laughs> all right. Don't give it to him, person. Uh, these are all actually labeled. That's Mark Jameson. I don't remember what episode that's from, but. I remember the name Mark Jameson. I don't. And therefore, it doesn't exist. Because if I don't that's remember it, no like one else a... does. Um. He was Admiral... Oh, he was the aging guy. He was ah, the bad makeup aging guy in yeah, Too Short a Season. Yeah, it was Too Short a Season. I actually thought that season was very long. That was season one, two. Yeah. That was... Uh, I think it was season one. Yeah. must have been. Woof. Yep, Six episode 16. Well, guess what? We're doing season seven, episode 10. Yeah. That's where we are. This guy was without the, without the makeup. Oh man, this podcast does not have its share of dreamboats, I'll tell you that. And what a paper mache monster he was with the makeup. <laughs> uh, well everyone, look, uh, we're going to talk about Inheritance. It's the 10th episode of the 7th season. We're almost halfway through season 7, the last season of TNG. Uh, I, I feel like you can all hear the Cardassian power core starting to whir on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> uh, it's coming. And, uh, Guys, we're uh, we're about to uh, we're about to leave October and enter November. I so. have the random number <laughs> generator ready to go, Andy. On this very oh. podcast, we are going to be awarding the thing that some people may or may not want: a Doctor McCoy, a mock time action, not action figure. It's a statue. <laughs> <laughs> it's a statue. You're getting a st- half a statue. A third of a statue. statue. A third of a statue. Mm-hmm. Because, okay. it, you know, the full the full thing was Kirk, you know, it was sold in three parts. So it's not like we're giving you a broken statue. Oh, I didn't even realize that. That's even more hilarious. Oh, yeah. No, that's the funniest part to me. Uh, but anyway, it's time to talk about inheritance, and uh, I'll answer that question. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Oh, I, you know, it's a great one. I say yes. These horns are so happy. Yeah, I think they should be happy uh, because I'm happy. Couldn't be happier with the outcome of the episode that we watched earlier before talking about it. And now, Andy, I don't know what we're doing. Is it Admiral's Club? (laughs) It's Admiral's Club. Matt, how do they get into the Animal's Club? Well, it's uh, very easy, Andy. Head to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review of this here show, and you are in the Admiral's Club. And if you're lucky, Andy might read it on the show. Who do we got this week? Well, Matt, uh, our first is uh, uh, a UK Apple Podcasts. Nice, international. Yeah. That that means they went to the extra effort of sending it in because we can't read international reviews. All right, so you got to send in the uh, the image probably, from probably got yourself Apple or from better, anywhere. 
better shot of getting it read online if you're sending it in. I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I read all of them, but, uh, yeah, there might be an Wait, extra. you read them all out loud? We hear no, all... I read them. Oh, well, I, yes, I do. Them. I sit at home and read them out loud oh, to myself. To Omar? Imagine oh, in to my mind. Just to you, eye, not the, to Omar? Yeah. Do you think yeah, Omar's to, like, no, I'm right Omar here. out of the room. I'm right He's here. Like, Why is he I get me? it. You got a podcast. Uh, anyway, this one is from Covent- Coventry, England, um, Steve, and uh, it says, the best TNG podcast I've ever listened to. It is also the only TNG podcast I've ever listened to, which unfortunately means it's also the worst TNG podcast I've ever listened to. That said, it is a podcast, and Matt and Andy do talk about TNG. If you happen to be in the center of the Venn diagram of people that like Star Trek, Frank Sinatra. 90s chart music. <laughs> Community created sound clips played haphazardly through a 120 minute podcast in which the core material is often less than half of the runtime. Yeah. And this podcast is for you. Uh, you have to listen from episode one, or a lot of the podcasts won't make sense. Secunda. I mean, that is about as clear, concise, an actual like breakdown of what the show is that I've ever heard. So, oh, welcome to the Admirals Club. Uh, welcome, sir. Um, enjoy the Admirals Club. Um, and then second, a uh, love letter to Star Trek TNG from Lizabeth, um, who says, Listening to this podcast is like listening to clumsily written love letters, but every sentence is a criticism of the one you adore. <laughs> uh, if you like Star Trek or are sick of Mariah Carey, this is the pod for you. Uh, if you'd like to take a 44-minute show and turn it into a two-and-a-half-hour dissection, Andy and Matt are ready to waste your time. Uh, bangerang and a total joy. Five stars. Here, here. We are so ready to waste all time, and and not just your time. Our time as well. Sure. We're equal opportunity <laughs> we time wasters. We wouldn't waste your time if we also weren't wasting time. For sure. That's Thank it you. for the Admiral's Club. All right. Well, let's head over to the President's Circle then. Big day in there. Hello, welcome to the President Circle. What what is the President Circle? You're asking yourself. Well, it's the uh, elite tier of our Patreon. Why don't you support the show? Help us help you waste time. Support the show. Get yourself even more time wasted with up to four bonus <laughs> podcasts every single month. Uh, Andy. This is the President Circle, and uh, yes. it's really like, you know, sort of the open. We're, we're here talking to, uh, let me just actually hit this. We're actually going to, I'm going to hail all yeah, of the Patreon. Everybody stop their I'm conversations hailing, now. I'm hailing the, the, the entire <laughs> oh, oh, Patreon. Oh, they're, doing the, they're uh, doing the thing. Yeah, I figure, why not? This is the best place to do it. Yeah. Uh, unless you think there's a better place to do it, which we could have one of our classic conversations of where should the thing in the show go? <laughs> <laughs> you guys love it, don't you? <laughs> love it or not, that's what you get. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're doing podcasts in there. We're doing Voyager. We're doing Star Trek Discovery Season 3 right now. We're doing... You know, uh, Matt, I just really... Yeah, go ahead. Finish. Oh, sorry. We're also doing um, Star Trek Enterprise, which is actually right. a first watch through for both Andy and I. Um, I didn't realize until uh, 
little Mr. Instagram, as I like to call him, to, uh, told me today <laughs> that Disco Season 4 is about to start. I know. <laughs> that weariness. <laughs> I know. I know. So that may, I, I would think that we were staying on our disco on our disco schedule, are we not? Like one disco, two discos rather, one enterprise? We're currently on that disco. On that, we're currently on that, yeah. and then we're going to roll into season four. So. Yeah, but like we always, the reason we did too, if you remember correctly, this is all yeah. on Patreon talk, but hey, come on, join us over there so you can be a part of it. Uh, the reason that we went over and did two was that we, we had, when we had done season two, it was already fully in the can and available to watch all at I once. I see, you're going you're gonna to wait for it. So what happened there was, I mean... We'll always be behind. Yeah, I guess FYI. that's true, too. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And we got strange new, uh, you know, worlds. We got strange new people. You know, that's that's going to be fun. Let's let's see what happened on the Enterprise before Kirk got there. Exciting prequel stuff. Wow. I'm excited about that. That may be the one that I'm the most excited by. I'm most excited about Prodigy. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fair. You know, I just want to, I want I want a little, Jane, you know, the hologram of Janeway which I cannot, I cannot way, wait, by the way, to see her. Yeah. I can't wait to see the... I, I, maybe they don't do it because it's a kid's show and they don't need to do it at all, but I would love to see the explanation of how this training vessel, A, ended up in the Delta Quadrant, <laughs> and B, ended yeah. up with a holographic copy of Janeway, and C, ended up with one that clearly is holding a mug of coffee in every image I've seen of it. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious, especially if it's in emergency situations. Yeah. I... I feel like this is sight unseen. I know nothing. This is just probably the choice that a writer would make. Yeah, I feel like they're going to have that Janeway be like the equivalent of Captain America at the beginning of of the Spider-Man. What was it? No Way Home? Oh, where he's doing that video. Where he's doing the videos for the high school. Which which, which theoretically made little sense because of the timeline. Right. I see what you're saying. So we're going for the joke or the premise. Well, just more the tone of I'm going to give you a lesson. Oh, this is what you do, kind yeah. of kind of thing. More than it's like a sentient version of Janeway put into a hologram. Oh, that'd be interesting. But I hope it's I the latter. Think, frankly, I, it, I want it to I, be the latter because I just want my Janeway. I fix. can't imagine it would be sentient. But look, I could well, be wrong. You know, they're they're adaptive unless they've You're, aborted that technology in this timeline. They're adaptive. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. If they have, it's again. I'm curious about like what. I'm just curious. Like, what is going on there? Whatever. Hello to our newest, literally newest patron, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. I'm saying that because I logged on to see our patrons because I want to, you know, do our drawing here. Oh, that's And nice. it tells me to who the newest patron is. It's Andrew Stewart. Way to go, Andrew. Welcome to the lieutenant's level. Guess what? You're also eligible to win. Ha! Huh, imagine that. So... Andy, here's how this works. I have to take this this here list of our patrons. Yeah. <sighs> we never got a Doctober jingle. So... No. Uh, Did we ask for one? No. <laughs> I feel like there should be one. If anybody wants to work on a Rovember jingle, just to be clear, what we're saying is we're giving this this figure away. Well, it's and not, then It's not clear at all. Well, maybe we should make it clear. <laughs> Um, uh, although if you feel like uh, you know you, you prefer to leave it cryptic, I'm also de- it certainly would be in keeping with our brand. Um, 
But anyway, uh, we, uh, we're giving away this statue, as Matt has clarified. Um, it, it belonged to a, 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 a listener who offered it up to us, and we said, we're not sure we would have use for this one-third of the Spock, Kirk, tri- uh, uh, McCoy triumvirate statue. From the so we decided to impose it on you guys instead. So we're giving it away to some lucky patron this month. Lieutenant's level or president circle level. Um, and then, uh, you know, our friend Talking Mustache will send it to you. Yes. And now, and we thought this was so much fun <laughs> that we're going to try to give away, if anybody wants to start coming up with names <laughs> for future months, uh, our uh, giveaway uh, a, a get, uh, gifts and, uh, and prizes of various degrees of absurdity and pointlessness. Yes, and all you have to do to be eligible is join the Patreon. So any level you feel, uh, get on in there. Something that, like if uh, Rovember is really appealing to you, if you were Andy Secunda and not already hosting the podcast, this would, that would be the month you joined. <laughs> that was proposed to me, and then I happen to think of it independently. <laughs> but also, I will say, uh-huh. Matt has the, uh, <laughs> the Enterprise that he wants to give away, which I think we're going to give away in December. Yeah. What's what's wrong with it? It's dish is broken. Yeah. It's dish sember. <laughs> oh, there you go. You already came up with it. That is a real lame name for the month. I was arguing for Decentiprise, but yeah, uh because sure. it's partially disintegrated, I like it. I mean disin- oh, that's even better. Disint <laughs> Decenter why would you say that? December? You would say it the way you said it. Decentiprise? Yeah. I was putting, I was cramming Enterprise into December. Right. Now I know. And then I was like, let's come up with another way that would work. And I did. Because that's how brilliant I am with puns. And puns are terrible. So <laughs> anyway, that's what we're giving away in December. We got a lot of terrible things to give away. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> Other so, than the pot, the terrible podcast. I wanted to bring this up just to have a second pair of eyes on this. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to pull them, pull that Ooh, up. This Andy. is exciting. So this is the page here. So. Here, Andy, you see our patrons all listed, right? Right. This is all of them. All the current patrons. This is number, believe it or not, number one to number 904. Oh, 904? Because of the lieutenants and the presidents. Yeah, members. yeah, of course, yeah, right. And uh, let me just get a little background stuff going on here for this amazing, amazing thing you have to now have. Is this Why does it, you should change the number. Very it's... It's two because that's what the cell starts at, number two. You see, I'm just going between that because uh, number one is name, email. <laughs> oh, I see. And I don't want name or email to win. No. That'd be terrible. Don't it. I don't want that. So Although this- they are our, our most loyal patron. They've been there since the beginning. <laughs> He's dead, Jim. <laughs> this is the He's Jed, Dead Jim supercut. He's dead. <laughs> dead, Jim. The man is dead. He's dead, Captain. <laughs> All right. That is 30 seconds of the <laughs> minute and a half that Dr. McCoy... I mean, people died on TOS more than on TNG. In it the, seems like they did. In the three years of, of, of TOS, I feel like way more people were pronounced dead by the doctor. I think that's. I think it's just more of a personal touch. Of it's usually the it's usually Bones saying it to Kirk, and I think that is distinct. Usually on the other shows, it's either many people are dying. It's not all directed at the captain. It's you know. 
it sort of just presented as a thing. Whereas this was always, hey, Jim, Jim, this is you to you specifically. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a surgeon, not a psychiatrist. I'm a doctor, not an escalator. I'm a doctor, not an engineer. What am I, a doctor or a moon shuttle conductor? (laughs) Moon shuttle conductor. Okay, so... Escalator is a little bit of a uh, of an anachronism there. Do they still have escalators? I feel like they probably do, right? <laughs> they must be like quaint, like having a trolley or something. Yeah. All right. Look, here we go. I got some music going. We're going to do the drawing here. <laughs> this is exciting. Big, big news, everybody. We're going to have from this list, Andy, one lucky or unlucky winner... <laughs> for joining our Patreon <laughs> is going to be shipped the mock time Dr. McCoy portion <laughs> of the statue. All right. <laughs> Such great, Here Such we great go. music for this. We should use this music every, every month, even if it's not related. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. What do I hit, go or roll? I think I hit I think go. roll. No, isn't that a, an ad? Oh, I don't know. I think I hit go. Ready? Here we go, everybody. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is the most appropriate number for a monkey's paw you could possibly get. (laughs) So it just spit out, and because Andy's my witness, thank God, it just spit out number 666. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Which is going to be... Good news. Andy, if you'd like to announce. It is going to Lieutenant Aaron N. <laughs> Lieutenant. Lieutenant Aaron N., who has been with us seemingly for a long time, happens to be a President Circle member. Aaron N., you were number 666 <laughs> on our Patreon list. Uh, which, by the it way, is, is... You have been cursed with this McCoy figure. Incredible. That is incredible. Aaron now, M., uh, oh my God. I hope you write now, it I will in. remind you, if you decide you want to wash your hands of it and oh, uh, and, so and bl- light some sage, uh, the face group, uh, our, our Facebook group, uh, is uh, has been kicking around the idea of making this uh, figure a flat Stanley. <laughs> so you could mail it on to the next person, take a picture, send it around the world. That's your choice. You're under no obligation. I, you can keep it to your to your to close to your breast and do whatever you like. I just took a, 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 a screenshot of that because it's so funny. It's so insane. Also, I love all the colorful things that it's advertising. <laughs> and then it's got six 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 and big things right in the middle. That is so funny. It's amazing. All right. And if uh, she chooses uh, not to accept it, then you could we could pass it on to the face group, or it could go to our second place winner. Ready? Five twenty five. This will di- this will disappoint the other person. I'm not going to tell the other person who they uh, are. I'm All just right. going to have a backup ready to go for us. Let me see who it is. Uh, there we go. Gotcha. All right. Neither of us will remember that. Oh, yeah? Well, um, I just screenshot it, so I will. Okay. Great. That was a lot of anyway, fun. Anyway, congratulations, Lieutenant Aaron N. That was the most you fun we've ever it. had on our show. <laughs> 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 That's a 
that's why that's why I wanted to keep this going. Wow. I can't wait till November, everybody. <laughs> All those great Ensign Row lines. <laughs> if anybody wants to come up with a theme for Ensign November, if they want to send in <laughs> row clips, whatever you want. Um Wow. All right. That Let's was continue exciting. with this. Okay, so now also coming with your Patreon is the, the possibility of winning the uh, Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, which is uh, not a physical thing, so nothing has to get mailed to you. Who is it this week? <laughs> it is SDF Prowler, uh, who writes, Hey, Matt and Andy, uh, during the summer before pandemic, I met a wonderful girl, quickly fell in love, and proceeded to make her watch Star Trek. Much to my surprise, she loved it. Over the following months, together we watched all of TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and TOS. Holy shit. Short- I know. Shortly after we watched, uh, we finished TNG, she told me about this cool little podcast where comedy TV writers were watching TNG and talking about it. I thought, holy crap, that's awesome. It took me a very long time, but I caught up with the main pod and joined my fellow nerds in the president's circle. Uh, I've recently caught up with all of the pods in the Patreon. Wow. And wow. Yeah, you are, where you are is, fucking serious, I, my friend. You're, whatever it is that you're doing where you're allowed to listen to this much audio and watch that much television, here, here. Um, uh, thought, uh, holy crap, that's awesome. I already read that part. Uh, I've recently caught up with all the pods in the Patreon, and I thought I'd finally speak uh, up with a hail. My question. Have you ever considered doing a special bonus pod after finishing TNG, wherein you watch and or play the Star Trek The Next Generation interactive VCR board game? <laughs> <laughs> I found it on eBay, played it, and I must say, it's thoroughly enjoyable having Garron yell at you the entire game. Thanks That's for the Klingon the board game, correct? I don't... He's definitely... It's definitely Klingon-themed. Yes, I don't know if the, the whole Klingon thing is Klingon. Board game. It's of the TNG era. It's Star Trek The Next Generation, but Garron's on the cover, if I remember correctly. It's not driven by being on a Klingon ship? I believe he's on the Enterprise. And was that the only guy they could get? I feel like they could have gotten anybody. Oh, yes. He's on the Enterprise, Andy. Here it is. I wonder how long that would take. It's 58 minutes of video, which is pretty sizable. Fifty-eight minutes of video. I wonder how long. You are the only crew members on board the USS Enterprise, it tells me. A Klingon challenge, it says. First officer's log. Oh, I hear, I hear Riker. 3.5. Commander William Riker reporting. Three days ago, the Enterprise docked at Starbase 74 to undergo repairs to a damaged computer core that has been causing erratic Ooh, a real performance and low-level computer functions. The ship is practically empty, except for a few crew members assigned to direct the Starbase repair teams. Captain Picard granted shore leave to all personnel. Although I am not on board the ship, I am monitoring the repair team's progress from the Starbase. The deadline for completing repairs to the Enterprise is passed, and the need to get underway is mounting. However, the Starship will remain virtually empty until all work is completed. This is like that Die Hard episode. The repair team estimates that the computer system will be online in two days, and I have scheduled the rest of the crew to return to the ship at that time. It's kind of a smart way. Been frustrating. No further Directed by Les Landau. They got one <laughs> of the fucking... Really? You wanna, hey, what do you mean? You, somebody else is directing the video game. I no, want to no, no. know. Uh, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I got that hiatus week I free. 
Les, it's only uh, $300 you're going to get for this. You sure? <laughs> yes, and I'd like it in cash, please. <laughs> Les has a gambling addiction. All right. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, look, it's interesting, to say the least. All right. I would be kind of interested in directing okay. the... Well, uh, that's a hell of a... That's a hell a of video a video for a, a video game. I really said I, I got to admire them. It might be good because they I admire them that they really set up the video as a um as like an episode. They have like the credits and the the captain's log. It's obviously Riker, which I like. That's fine. They get to show the real set. Uh it seems like within the boundaries that they I'm sure they had. It seems like they did a good job. <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, well, only time will tell if we do that. I like bonus episodes. I'll tell you that much. All right. So now that the Medal of Valor has been awarded, let's hear from our others regarding things related to last week's episode, which will uh, be some Priority One messages. Captain, incoming message. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right. Andy, what are the the folks saying? from the wheat doctor hi matt and andy i hope you're doing well a uh, longtime listener never written in uh last week on tnc we watched attached where we see a divided planet struggle actually last week was force of nature but uh I, this was hanging over um uh plan- divide planet struggle and fail to join the federation of planets clearly uh, kidnapping a captain and doctor then letting them wander around unfamiliar wilderness is never a good look Regardless, it does raise two significant questions about the lack, uh, for the lack of a better term, geopolitical makeup of the Federation. Um, hopefully you all have some insights. Foremost, what exactly are the criteria, that is politics, law, culture, economics, etc., to be accepted into the Federation? It seems that total unification isn't necessarily a prerequisite to joining, even though it is implied in the episode to be fairly unheard of. Subsequently, what if an inherently aggressive culture wanted to join? For instance, the Klingons have a treaty with the Federation and TNG. Uh, but what if they wanted to take that extra step with their persistent internal bickering? It seems it like it'd be a long shot. Finally, what are the circumstances in which a planet could uh, be removed from the Federation? Perhaps an unjustifiable act of aggression from a planet or even a global civil war would be enough to warrant such action. Are there even examples of this? Many thanks, Tack Neely. Well, I mean, I'm sure there would be uh, some censures placed on the planet. Um, you know, Federation Council rules. I'm not entirely sure how that works. But from my understanding, it to be warp capable. Um, uh, and theoretically have a unified world government uh-huh yeah that seems to be the that seems to be the two criteria one of the primary things although they were talking to those people yes they and they were like unified. this is very strange that we're doing this we don't do this yeah um and then in um you know insurrection we see them welcoming a planet into the federation that only achieved warp drive the year before Right, because of all their losses to the Dominion, they were like, "We better, we better, we better get some more Federation planets." <laughs> um, 
Yeah. I mean, that's as good as uh, I can do. I am very curious about that issue. That's very loosey-goosey to me and odd. I feel like they... uh, it would cause so many problems and not to mention the technology difference issues that I've brought up before and have mostly been brushed aside. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Jorgen continue to brush them aside. <laughs> I don't rank high enough. Uh, Lieutenant Jorgen Peterson writes, I looked up Myra even pronounced correctly on memory alpha after uh, the episode where you were mentioned in, um, mm-hmm. in, in um, lower decks. Uh, can you uh, can you guess what uh, what the entry was? Oh God, no, I can't. <laughs> Myra was an individual referenced in the Children of Tama language metaphorical phrase "Carno in the forest with Myra," which re- re- referred to overeating or weight gain. In twenty eight thirty one, Brad, Ensign Brad Boimler said this to uh, Lieutenant Cation, inadvertently offending Cation. Is there trivia? Um, Is there trivia related that it was me? Um. I think you are. You have your own. I do, but like, I feel like that should entry. be like a subsection. There should be like trivia. I agree with you. Here, I'll give you. Boy, the, oh boy, memory alpha. I'll give you the thing. Well, maybe that's on its way. Here, <laughs> I gave you the uh, give you the entry. You can check for yourself. I love it. Um, that's so funny. And then he also says, uh, "I also gave Secunda search. My apologies, Andy. It seems you had a brief moment as an entry in the central library, but keepers voted to reverse course. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the deletion rationale was not anyone involved with a quote official aspect of Trek per uh, talk Star Trek: The Next Conversation." which also has to go. But unlike that page, this one should be merged into another person's article. This just opens a door for anyone off the street with a podcast about track to have an That's article. Very true. Hey, don't take their side, Matt. Look, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I want to, I want to clean, you know, I gotta, we got to clean the I disagree. Here. I am uh, off the record. I am uh, just but lightly also, suggesting. But also, by the way, how many Anybody fucking... want to get in there? All of our fans want to get in there and prod the votes in I the would, opposite I would, direction. I would, I would rather they didn't. This, this podcast, <laughs> well, this podcast shouldn't even have a page, in all honesty. <laughs> oh, I totally disagree. But like, there's a billion fucking po- Star Trek podcasts out there. You can't clutter my memory alphas. No, you got to put in the important ones. Who dictates yeah, the important ones? The ones that are important to Star Trek history. If we go like only by one. listenership, I bet we're not that important. <laughs> oh, I disagree. I feel like, look, you know what? Uh, a lot, a lot of artists early on, they don't have a huge fan base until after they're dead. But that doesn't mean they didn't make a huge impact on the uh, on the history of art. All right. Well, then after we're dead, maybe we'll go in. <laughs> Well, luckily in the internet era, you don't have to wait until you're dead. The minority can win over the majority. In many horrible instances, in this case, in a wonderful way. Do as you will, folks. Um, Anywho's, uh, did it say anything else? No, I think that no. you had a, I think you might have had a separate entry. Am I wrong about that? I do, yeah, for, for hosting After Trek. Yeah, yeah. Which so, was official, official capacity. I was involved with Star Trek, so. Yeah. You know, oh, I see. That's why I have a page. Now I feel like you're trying to keep me out of it. (laughs) You don't want me besmirching your memory. I want you. I would be. I'd be more than happy for you to take over Will Wheaton's Ready Room show. (laughs) Can you imagine what what a turn of events that would be? (laughs) Um, Eric Peebles writes, but only. uh, Let me just. Let me just also say, but only because Will chose to leave, not for any other reasons. 
I want Will to also get to get tired of it, and then they bring in Secunda. I would like Will to get bumped out, and then, <laughs> and then I want me to be put in, and I and I bumped him out as an act of vengeance on your behalf. Look, only one of you were at my wedding. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> who is who is closer to Matt Myra? Well, now um, because of you know this podcast, it's sadly it's got to be you and I, I are inseparable. I have a lot of close friends. There should be a who's... footnote of Andy on my main page. How about that? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you, you want me to be a footnote. <laughs> a disgusting footnote. I'm sure you're in like um, whatever the office version of Memory Alpha is. I bet you're in there. Um, I'm sure my character it's is. Probably like, it's probably called like Scranton. or wouldn't, well, I guess you'd call it like Dunder Mifflinpedia. <laughs> I'm anyway, sure. Whatever. I'm sure it exists. I, I'm certain my name is not involved if uh, if I am in there. Um, anyway, Eric Peebles writes uh, in regards to Force of Nature, um, and this is in regards to uh, Data's defense when uh, when Jordy's having a, a a crisis of of whatever you call it um, of of morality uh, at the end, and his defense is. Technically, we were not wrong, says Eric Peebles, and it puts it in quotes. And Eric Peebles' response is, screw off, Data. Does he moonlight as an oil executive? (laughs) (laughs) This is a reasonable reaction. Uh, Mr. The Ultimate Trekker writes, uh, I was going to point out that it's odd that they set a warp 5 speed limit and then make it a point that one of Voyager's features was its ability to go at high warp for long periods of time. Kind of like owning a Lamborghini in Manhattan. Uh, you could say that the Intrepid class was already a thing, and most likely Voyager's construction was well underway during the episode. I'd like to know how much of Voyager's story had been developed by this point. Uh, they knew TNG was ending, and that a new show, show would take its place. Things that make you go, hmm. And then Cam uh, mentions, in response to that, I literally just realized that they mentioned the Intrepid, that Voyager, which is an Intrepid-class ship, was under development, and that they had the perfect out. They could have used the weird rivalry between Geordi and Kaplan as they're out. They could have made Geordi go, oh, wow, I was so wrong. Actually, Donald, you just saved the universe by tinkering with your warp core. Boy, I was a jerk about it. Instead, we never see it again. Well, that that would require a lot of forethought. <laughs> they clearly were having trouble coming up with cat stories that year, so I don't think they were really trying to think that far ahead. <laughs> That may be true. It is a cu- an interesting question of how far they were with Voyager, but I think even with Voyager, they were just like, I don't know, what should this show be, right? The whole time. Uh, I don't think they were... I don't think or is it not even in the pipeline? At all, yeah. Yeah. Um, anywho's. Lieutenant Ben Plavin writes, uh, Ugh, this episode. I love all the extra bits they added to pad it out, but the central story when they get to it, is so bogged down by the unlikely, unlikable portrayal of Sarova that it's hard to take. Despite that aspect, I have to agree with Andy that the scientific back and forth between Data and Geordi was great, uh, and what I hope to see in my sci-fi. If you liken war- the warp issue to global warming, Sarova isn't wrong that the debate at Federation HQ would definitely drag on, especially once Big Warp gets involved. Uh, do you think this is Greta Thunberg's <laughs> favorite episode? <laughs> I think she's got to be a track fan, right? She's probably got a couple, you know, that deal with environmental issues. 
that, that lady's got to got to be into Star Trek. Look, she's fucking. God, if I if I had half her drive, <laughs> I could have really yeah. done something. Sure, instead of any of us. <laughs> um, and confidence. Well, I think part of the confidence is uh, a clear a clear knowledge that she is correct. That's right. Yes. <laughs> that, she, that she is is her future that they're messing about with although look um, i mean voyager premiered in 94 and this episode aired in 94 so i guess they i mean they must have something must have been on the drawing board see you didn't have a, a kirkman kind of as just a, a, a eyes on all of the processes yeah that would have been berman had you had they really makes you reevaluate berman doesn't it in what sense i don't know he was the one with his hands on the Sort of uh, in all the projects at that point, in all the front, the the extensions. No. Yeah, but like, wouldn't he have even had? He would have had to, you know, veto power on anything on DS Nine or yeah. Voyager. But what are what are we saying? Because I guess in comparison to the many missteps that we have assumed Kirkman to have made. Uh. Well, I mean, Berman was famously against uh, serialized storytelling. Yeah, he, he he wanted everything to be episodic, which is why we got. I keep saying know, Kirkman, and I mean Kurtzman. Apologies. Uh, yes, Robert Kirkman and The Walking Dead. I thought we were talking. About. <laughs> That's what I think I was thinking about. <laughs> I'm really great at being a Star Trek host. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look out, Will Wheaton. <laughs> what are you looking at? You're looking at dates. Voyager still? initial work began in 93 when the seventh and final season of Next Generation and the second season of Deep Space Nine were in production. Seeds of Voyager's backstory, including the development of the Maquis, were placed in several Next Gen and Deep Space Nine episodes. Uh, Caretaker was shot in September of 94. Um,. All right. Doesn't really tell me. What do you think? How do you think that times out with when they would have written this one? This one probably was written in like. It feels like it would have been written soon before. It would have certainly it, shooting. It would have been written in March they, of '93, so about nine mm-hmm. months beforehand. So I don't think they thought anything of it. No. Um, I don't know. Might have timed out close, minimally. Whatever the case, uh, it certainly would have been a dicky move if they made this move with the warp without fucking talking to any of the other shows or thinking about anything else. <laughs> well, you know, they were probably like, eh, what's the other show? Oh, it takes place on a sta- space station and all they have are runabouts. It's fine. Drop the warp to whatever you want. Right. They stay put. <laughs> Except that actually would have probably maybe helped DS nine. Eh, maybe not because you would want people coming in and out. Um, Anywho, that's it for the Priority One messages. If you'd like to send a Priority One message, join the Patreon. That is your, your, like, fifth anywho, which is a new word for you. Is it? I yeah. I think I use it. I feel like this is all new. I don't know what other podcast you did, but it's ruined it was, you. <laughs> it was on Anywho Central. Oh, that, that, there was a Doctor Who podcast called Anywho? Come on. <laughs> that is a great idea for a, for a title for us. Doctor Who podcast. Uh, all there right. are a million different spins on that you could do. That 
We'll do it for the priority one messages, and let's head out to the regular corridor. All right, that means... Captain, Captain we are being hailed. Um, and I just dropped a voice hail it's already in, in the major one. Um, I actually haven't listened to it, because it just came in. So you want to roll the dice? Okay. Let me just Hit triple, it. Let me just triple check. Just like I Pike, right? The right number. All right. Well, I can read another is one. It, in the, meantime, uh, the file name is uh, voicemail 135. Just, yep. Okay. Here we go. Uh, hi, Matt Andy. My name is Phil, and I'm calling because I was listening to your episode uh, on Force of Nature, and I just had a quick comment and a general question. Uh, and please don't take this as an um, actually sort of thing. But I. All right. That was enough. <laughs> How can we not take it? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, no. Uh, I got a... a general question. Uh, and please don't take this as an um, actually sort of thing. <laughs> I like that but description. I want to say that in the original series, they mentioned that there are only 13 Constitution-class starships in service at the time. I know it was like a low team. Uh, there really weren't that many. I forget where it's mentioned, but the Starfleet, so to speak, wasn't that big in terms of Constitution-class ships back then. Um all of them had similar registry numbers too, starting with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is that comment. And then a question is, is do you think that the Voyager is NCC 745 blank blank? Does that mean there's been 74,000 starships created up to the point when Voyager was made? I don't know. I don't know what that knows, but I thought that'd be interesting. Um, question. And that's it. Uh, also, Andy, you're going to love the Defiant. It's a great name for a great ship. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun when you get there. Anyway, thanks, guys. Hope all is well. Take care. Bye-bye. I mean, look, uh, unscreened, great voicemail. Thank you for calling in. Uh, As far as I know, yes, that is what that means. 74,000 starships. That's crazy. And... But wait, that means means there were 1,700 versions of... Am I misunderstanding what you're saying? You might be. What are you saying? Of the Enterprise before? No, that doesn't mean there's. Seven, oh, no, that means there's seventeen hundred ships that's, that's, we before the Enterprise. Oh, I see. Got it. Got it. And because it was one seven zero one, you know, and then the A, B, C, and D, those got dropped in wherever they were along the line. Right. And if right, you look at like right. the Reliant, uh, is NCC two eight something, I think. That so was... that's already like a thousand ships in the span of you know 10 years I think it would be it would be so it seems like a hundred it seems like about a hundred a year so they must up upgrade the ships constantly then they must not let like an old ship just hang out there without getting all the new technology otherwise reliant would have done even worse than it did to the enterprise at that point although i guess that was a new enterprise well, that was a refit enterprise, yeah. Right, it was a refit enterprise. So, uh, sorry, the USS Reliant is NCC one eight six four. I'm way off. It was a hundred. Uh, yeah, hundred and fifty. I can't. Why can't I subtract one? A hundred, one hundred and sixty three ships after the Enterprise, the Reliant was built. <laughs> I can't do math. How many Constitution class ships did he say? Uh, low teens. Low teens. Yep. We got another one from Jonathan Lunin, 
He okay. Said. Another 13. voicemail? The Enterprise and 12 like it. No. I didn't realize that this was going to be doubling up on, gotcha. okay. on Jonathan Lunens. But uh, there you go. Uh, uh, so, uh, and, uh, and it was a quote in, uh, in, in the TOS, uh, Tomorrow's Yesterday, where Christopher says, uh, must have taken quite a lot to build a ship like this. And then Kirk says, there are only 12 like it in the fleet. So, so 13. The Enterprise and 12 like it at that time of the episode. Um, then uh, from, oh man, did I leave the name off of this? Oh, I'm a big dope. And he's a big dope. And he's a big dope. In the latest TBC episode, TNC, I think, is a. Uh, I, I would assume. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> I wonder what the B would stand for. Uh, you Star asked Trek, the if... the best conversation? <laughs> Maybe that's what it should have been. <laughs> um, you asked if Starfleet ever made a ship that could put gun on the Enterprise. In addition to the Defiant, they also made a prototype warship. The Prometheus. Meant specifically, yes, the Prometheus. Did we discuss it already? No, but like spoilers for Voyager, man. Oh, all right. That's fair. That one had Andy Dick on board as the <laughs> emergency medical hologram. The oh, Mark yeah. II. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. I'll find that guy's name, and I'll, I'll say it haphazardly in the middle of the podcast. In the meantime, uh, that's it for the... Oh, wait. There's one more. Uh, <laughs> Eric Miller writes, Hello, Matt and Andy. Just want to say I'm with Matt on this episode. Uh, this episode is terrible, force of nature, because there is no follow-up. And B, it's insane that they try to cover this story in like 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, if it was a two-parter and they solved it in some BS technobabble way, that would give the story an ending and let us explore the impact of what it means. Slash, we can watch Jordy go bananas as he tries to fix this thing because warp means so much to him. What season seven needs is another quote. Jordy goes all in on something, and everyone else looks at him like he's insane, but doesn't actually help him. Quote unquote episode. Uh, we also can add in data taking over the ship uh, because the quote uh, subspace rift made him do it. Unquote uh, for a solid B plot, or maybe reveal that Spot actually is Sung. That actually be fantastic, and would be that far off base from what we see in this episode. Um, that's me. Um, that being said, here's my lingering question about this episode. What on Ferenginar is the Ferengi Council? Is Damon Prock running a scam? Because the Ferengi Council doesn't jive with the lore we know about the Ferengi government. Thanks, now, Eric. let me ask the following question. Which lore are you talking about? <laughs> are you talking about... DS9 lore, which is not to be really counted yet because they've only had a season under its belt. Yeah. Or are you talking about what we know of it from TNG? I'm inclined uh, to think he means TNG. Are you sure? Yeah, because like the Ferengi Council. Do they contradict? Sort of jives more with the Ferengi we get in DS9. You know, they're more of like a cohesive government that yes loves profit but also functions interesting so um, no, that's my question the tweet before was from Caleb Shampo way to go Caleb Shampo 
What a great name. Um, there you go. Is, there, is Fer, Ferran Ginnar the Fer, actual Ferenginar, name of the planet? Ferenginar. Or is that a made-up name? I believe that's correct. <laughs> that's silly. <laughs> Ferengi from Ferenginar. Uh, no, I also, it makes sense. what I said is correct is... I believe it's correct that yes, it's the name and it's made up. <laughs> I mean, sure, it's made up. Yeah, everything's made up. Um, anyhow, if you'd like to send us a hail and have it be read in a in a very amateurish fashion by me, um, you can either join the Patreon and then uh, you will get special special attention paid to your priority one messages, um, or you can send us a hail for free at sttncpod at gmail dot com. You can tweet at my, Matt at Matt Myra or Instagram at Matt Myra. You can Instagram me at Andrew Secunda or tweet me at Secunda. If you'd like to send us a voice hail, uh, please send it to 816-TREK-TNC. That's it for the hails. Thank you. Hailing frequency is closed. Whoops. Hailing frequency is closed, sir. So, as far as I can tell, the biggest jump in registry numbers occurs somewhere between the Stargazer, which is NCC 2893. (laughs) They really really undersold it. That seems insane, even based on... Well, the Stargazer is 2893, and then the next, like, we see a pretty big jump to the... USS Nebraska, which is listed uh-huh. on a screen in the TNG episode Conspiracy. Uh, the USS, I'm oh, sorry, the USS Omaha, Nebraska, which is NCC 5253. So we get that jump, hmm. which is, uh, hang on. <clears throat> That is the year 2364. Okay. Yeah. And then this. Then we get the crazy. Wait, hang on. That is a. That is bananas. 2327. We get 11,000. Jesus. And then like. All through like twenty three sixty five to twenty three eighty, we get like seventy something thousand. Wait, twenty twenty eight thousand to seventy something. Th- I mean, the USS Titan, which is theoretically right, it's Riker's ship that he goes and takes command of. Uh-huh. Is NCC eight zero one zero two? Crazy. Anyway, guys, I can go on and, on and on for reading. The defiant. Where's like the defiant in that list? Seven something. Seven four. What is the defiant? Yeah. I can look right here. It is uh, seven four two zero five. It's also an NX because it's a prototype cool uh all right guys this has been wild and a lot of fun so (laughs) let's talk about this week's episode
at the 51 minute mark. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug the MC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Okie dokie, everybody. It's time to talk about this week's episode, which, of course, is Inheritance, which aired in uh, 1994? Three. Question mark, question mark, three? November 22nd, 1993. Oh. Okay. At least that's what I have on my thing. That's what I Well, that just means that the other argument the conversation we had before is meaningless because All right. Voyager it's, it was, was totally before. You're right. Yeah. All right. I'm Make glad sure we got there that. eventually. Andy, what was happening? Yep. No. Nope. November 22nd, 1993. Uh, I'll tell you um number one song in the US, I do anything for love but won't do that by Meatloaf continues its reign. It really just is raining all over my parade here. Whoa, speaking of rain. Uh, also number one in the UK. For once, the United States and Britain united. Not since World War II have we been so united. Um, number one movie, Adam's Family Values. Number one book, Slow Waltz in... Cedar Bend by Robert James Waller. I agree with you. It is good. Uh, number one TV show that week, 60 Minutes. Events that week, Snoop Dogg releases his first album, Doggy Style. That's it. Uh, <laughs> so I was talking to some. I was talking to a producer, a record producer, last week. They were telling me about how meatloaf records vocals and it's like he takes like a shot pops it like a halls and like sings a line and then does it again <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> it's like i was like what sounds crazy well, um, his, i wrote it down i like wrote it down in my notes because it was like absurd there's something one about halls, one halls one stick of uh Gum and one shot. Gum? How does the gum fit in there? Look. Don't ask. Well, you, want, you don't want gum when you're singing? What is he doing? Well, what do you this know? guy doesn't what know what do he's know? doing. You don't sound anything like That's Meatloaf. Right. No, I don't. I will say uh, the, the detail. You tell Meatloaf how to record easier? I sure am not. <laughs> uh, the detail that he uh, he smells like halls when you're around him is, is like, yeah, that tracks. That's very funny. Um. So Matt, yeah, let's head into everybody's yeah. favorite lounge. Oh yeah, right, correct. The <laughs> Frank Sinatra lounge. Wow. <laughs> well, I assume it maybe all the happens Palms. in a lounge, right? Oh yeah, that's uh, it's maybe the Palm Springs lounge. Uh, we need a new. We need yet one more jingle. <laughs> we don't need a jingle to introduce the jingle. That's silly. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, <laughs> come on. You're da, right. Da, da, da. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> time for Frank Sinatra, come on. <laughs> Andy, what was the chairman of the board up to? Well, Matt, this was Thanksgiving week, and Frank was off the road, so it's time for another look back at this date in Sinatra history. Uh, 30 years earlier, on November 22, 1963, Frank was shooting Robin and the Seven Hoods when he got a call informing him that President Kennedy had just been uh, shot in Dallas. Sinatra was an avid supporter of the president, and he was grief-stricken, shutting down production for three days. 
An anecdote from the film set is that Frank had recently shot a scene in a Burbank cemetery and had leaned against a tombstone only to find that the engraved name of the deceased was John Kennedy. What seemed like a funny joke at the time quickly turned into a tragic parallel. Wow, if he had had a cell phone at that time, he would have texted it to his old buddy JFK. They would have had a good laugh. Yep. And, uh... Anyway. (laughs) I wonder what those conversations were like. They're probably like a, a, a New York a New York slick mobster talking to a Boston guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So that is that. Now we can talk about this episode, which uh, was directed by Robert Shearer, teleplay by Dan Copel and Renee Ashavaria. Robert cool. Shearer really fought to get that uh, that TNG uh, board game job. <laughs> Sorry, and, uh, Landau, Landau beat you. bumped him. <laughs> uh, story by Dan Copel. With the Enterprise on hand, this is from Larry Nemechek, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion, revised edition. With the Enterprise on hand to help reheat the cooling core magma of Atria 4, one of the married scientist team coordinating the project tells Data she was once married to Dr. Soong, his creator, and thinks of herself as his mother. With no memory of her or mention of her by Soong, Data takes a while to warm to Julia Tainer, who had left the inventor after he became immersed in his work. Data's memories of her and other early life events were erased when Soong and Tainer fled the, crystal, for, fled the crystalline entity on Omicron Theta, his creation place, <laughs> and the colonists' <laughs> logs were substituted. When pressed, she tearfully admits that she was against Data's creation and wanted him dismantled when they left, all because of fears that he'd be evil like Lore. Data finally accepts her as his mother, but begins to sense her uh, some odd things about her. When her husband is injured in a plasma cave and Data joins her there, the instability forces them to jump off a cliff and her arm... What? Her, oh, sorry. This is a very weird format. Her arm is severed, confirming his guess that she's an android. Playing a data chip for, uh, found in her head. It says brain, but I'm going to say head because she's an android. Data sees Sung explain what happened. His wife really died after Omicron Theta, but he built his best ever android to house her mind without her ever knowing the difference. Aiding... Sorry, abiding by his wishes, Data opts to tell Juliana not of her true nature, but of Soong's regrettedly unspoken love for her. Concise. Although, um, may I ask, we'll get into various issues that are mentioned there, but just because it's mentioned in that description, what's the deal with replacing his memories with the colonist logs? What was that about? That was the memory because the uh, most of everybody on that planet was going to die. So, if you remember going back, like remember the episode when the woman wanted to kill the crystalline entity, yeah, from Omicron Theta, and she and he, Data replayed her her son's journal entries. Uh huh. Um, that was they wiped it because he wasn't working right or something. If I remember correctly from this episode, we'll see it again. And then also they put those in there to have a record to survive of these colonists. So they wiped his childhood to yeah. 
Oh, interesting. That's kind of messed up. Um, okay. Got it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a concise answer. Thank you. I try to remember all things data. Did I just say anywho again? Captain's log, stardate 47410.2. The Atrian government has requested assistance in averting a natural disaster. Two of their geologists have come aboard, one of whom is a human who has been living on Atria 4. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to mention whatever it's a human we pick up. <laughs> a human? Can you imagine a human <laughs> living is... on an alien world? Why, why, let's go into the actual story of uh, why Picard's mentioning that in his log. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it when I mean, they told me. Could you imagine a human on Atria 4? Have you seen their <laughs> weird hair and foreheads? <laughs> she would stand out oh, like a me, sore thumb. Me, yeah. Personal log. Start the personal log there. <laughs> okay, what are we wasting time with all this other information? The situation has worsened since my husband and I first contacted you. The molten core of our planet isn't just cooling. Oh, it's not their foreheads. It's, it's their ears. I forgot. A gravitational field has been affected. Seismic activity is increased by a factor of three. If the this guy's got a little bit of a Fred Willard quality. A trio will be I uh, don't disagree with that. <laughs> I would have loved it if it was played by Fred Willard. He just played it really. We could minimize really weasley and uh, by creating and defensive the whole time and relieving some of the tectonic stress. <laughs> just really play up the whole. You sure we want him standing here? He's a machine, you know. <laughs> He's so great. The irony of him being married to a machine. Still, uh, that would just be a temporary fix. The only permanent solution would be to reliquify the core. These pockets in the magma layer. How close are they to the molten region of the core? A few kilometers. Why? Data, you think that's close enough for ferroplasmic infusion? Procedure will involve using the ship's phasers to drill down through the planet's surface into the pockets. You know what I was thinking when I was watching this? I was like, why not just beam it into the ship's, into the center of the... Yeah. Now, when they say that the transporter can't get a lock on those two when they're that far down, yeah. I feel like you don't really need a sensor, like a transporter lock on what would be theoretically the center of the planet. Because you wouldn't have to be that accurate with the plasma. That's all I'm saying. No, you couldn't. You could just throw it in there? Yeah. If when I... they say they can't get a lock or, you know, that kind of thing, though, how far off are they talking about? If they guess. I mean, if they, if they can't guess on people. Yeah. Because you might beam up like, uh, you remember that episode of Enterprise when they beamed up that guy with rocks in him from the storm? I don't. It was like in the second episode. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Remember when he ago. landed on the transporter pad and he had like all these rocks embedded in him? There was that crazy <laughs> windstorm. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah. Where we would set up a series of plasma infusion units. We'll trigger the units by firing modulated energy bursts down through the shafts. <laughs> Where she went on to go, like this, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Injecting plasma directly into the core should trigger a chain reaction. And that will reliquify the magma. It should be possible to stabilize the core temperature at 93% of normal. If it I works, never noticed would remain those little th dividers in between the seats. That seems like that would be very inconvenient for shooting. 
uh, the little on the table. I'm saying there's a little gray stone thing that she's putting her hand on. I think it's very convenient for holding the table up. Oh, maybe that's what it's for. <laughs> for centuries. If you give your permission, we could begin immediately. Very well. But before we proceed, I'd major like to Picard maneuver he pulled on that shirt. <laughs> Fine, I'd be very happy to help you with that, Doctor. We've assigned you quarters during our time here. Please make yourselves comfortable. Thank you, Captain. Data? Yes, Doctor. Do you have any idea who I am? We're Dr. Juliana Tainer. You lost all... I wish he went on a little further, just to... <laughs> it really would have been more in keeping with him. She had to go, yes, no, no, I know. Wouldn't have been as proud of him then. Would, but we couldn't be certain. Have we met before? Oh, Data, I was there. Right at the beginning on Omicron Theta. I helped create you. And now, look at you. You were a colleague of Dr. Sung? I most certainly was. And I was also his wife. In a way, I suppose you could say, I am your mother. Except she, I'm also an android. I wish she did it in a low voice, imitating Darth Vader because she loved Star Wars. <laughs> Data. I'm sorry. I like, you know. No, I am your mother. And then Data's like, what? <laughs> oh. 20th century movie called Star Wars. I kept telling him he should program you with 20th century references, that this crew would be constantly talking about it. Everywhere everywhere in Starfleet, everyone's talking about the 20th century. I can't believe I'm seeing you like this again after all these years. Doctor, I have no memory of you. Oh, there's a reason for that. We wiped your processors after we finished refining your programming. Why don't you tell me what you do remember, and then I'll fill in the gaps. My memory record begins when I was activated by the Starfleet officers on the Omicron Theta outpost. Ah, after the attack of the crystalline entity. Yes. All of the inhabitants of the colony were killed. However, I discovered that my memory banks contain the contents of their journals and logs. We hoped their experiences would be useful. After your childhood, we figured you would use all the help you could get. My childhood. Oh, well, that's what I called it. Well, you were like a baby at first. A 100-kilogram baby, but still. You had uh, trouble uh, learning your motor skills. Learning how to process sensory information. And, of course, Noonien was never satisfied. He kept tinkering, trying to make you as human as possible. So you wiped my memory processors after this childhood. Mm-hmm. Then we deactivated you and programmed you with the colonists' logs. We had planned to reactivate you, but we never got the chance. That's when the crystalline entity attacked. We had to leave quickly. We wanted to take you with us, but there was only room for two in the escape pod. Doctor. I have scanned the journals of the colonists. There is only one Juliana mentioned in them. Her last name was O'Donnell. That's me. But there was no mention that my father was married to you. Because of my mother. (laughs) She thought that Noonien was an eccentric scientist who was far too old for me. And you were a baby, and I was Irish. 
We weren't <laughs> married yet. Um, um, so that's it's all explained about the colonist thing. It's, it, that's interesting. So it's it's sort of like there were problems with him, and then they thought the colonists' experiences would be more informative for him, so they just deleted it. Is that the idea? It seems it seems that way. Interesting. That I encountered him once in the Trelina system. Well, that's where we went to after we left the outpost. I, I had no idea that you'd even met him. It was shortly before his death. He's dead. Yes, Laura killed him. <laughs> you know your your other son. <laughs> He was like 120. How could you think he was still alive? <laughs> exactly on the best Took a live a long time in this. What do you mean? It's true. Period. Oh, I realized he loved his work as much as he loved me. Maybe more. Oh, there we were, stuck out on this planet in the middle of the jungle with no one else to talk to. No life. It just wasn't enough. That's why I left. That was for a very, very long time ago. The important thing is that we're here now together. And I do want to get to know you. This has been an interesting encounter. And an altogether unexpected one. I would like Why would he pull away like that? Because Well, I mean emotions. this is so clearly, so clearly like indicative of that state of having emotions, which I actually think that Spider plays perfectly there because he's saying the polite things that he might say in that situation, but in a frosty way. Um I also think it's written well, so it's sort of like I'm saying the necessary things, but he pulls pulling him pulling his hand away is definitely is definitely like not so fast, lady. Uh, by the way, I guess they kind of ground it. I feel like this lady doesn't seem like she's B. Sung's type. You got a British and proper. I feel like he'd go for more of a, more of a kook. Well, I mean, she's a doctor. I feel like he's like, he doesn't get out much. Probably met her at like some sort of science, uh, conference. Yeah, you might be right. (laughs) They just had, had the science in common. Yeah. I neither believe nor doubt. I am simply trying to verify her assertions. They had a love of science and a hatred of lore. What have you turned up so far? The registrar's (laughs) office on Mabala 4 cannot confirm whether Dr. Sung was married there. Apparently many of the documents were lost when the government was overthrown. What's that you're looking at? I'm checking passenger manifests to see if they went to Mabala 4 during the period in question. O'Donnell. Juliana. Sung. Noonien. They were both passengers on a transport which traveled from Omicron Theta to Mavala and returned four days later. That sure fits with their story. Still, the fact that they went to Mavala does not prove they were married there. You know, Data, it almost seems to me like you're trying to prove that Dr. Tanner wasn't telling the truth. Not at all. I am merely unable to reconcile her story with the fact that my father never mentioned her to me. Well, she did leave him. Maybe she broke his heart. 
Maybe he just didn't want to talk about her. Let me ask you this. Dr. Sung created an emotion chip for you. And didn't Lord tell you that that chip also contained memories? Memories Sung wanted you to have? Yes. It is possible that those are memories of my childhood and of Mrs. Sung. Why don't you you go up to your fucking quarters, (laughs) grab the chip, plug it into a computer, and download the memories only. Why would she want to lie? Why would anybody want to pretend to be your mother? I can think of no motive for such a pretense. It's not like any other relative of Data's tried to use their familiar relationship to uh, manipulate him for nefarious ends. I can't think of why anyone would pretend to be close to the third, off- second officer on board the flagship of the Federation. <laughs> and a super-powered human, a super-powered android. Capable of overtaking any ship single-handedly. I hope you disconcerting for you, Data. It, it came out of the blue, and it doesn't fit into your logical processors. That is true. That's life data. Part of being human is learning how to deal with the unexpected. Human explaining. New experiences, even when they don't fit into your preconceptions. I admit I am finding it difficult to accept the possibility of a past about which I know nothing. But it is also true. I am curious to learn more about it. Uh, so I think we, uh, I don't think it's in this scene. I think it was in the previous scene. But uh, when she's uh, talking about their wedding, and she goes, uh, a Klingon and a Corvalin traitor were our witnesses. She was like, so grossed out. This lady's a racist. Uh, I think that's all she Speechist. can scratch together. I think she's just sad about her wedding. Yeah, well, it, it seems like that's more of a shot at the, I don't know what Corvalin traitors are like. It seems like that's a shot at the Klingon. Well, like, I oh, mean, can I, you uh, imagine? by the way, I bet the Klingon was very much like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I have to witness this foolish human wedding? He still did it, and that's pretty cool of that Klingon. So I, I will be do taking it because shots it is honorable. Or her. But not because I want to. That's what, that's <laughs> what they said. Damn. He's a child dwarf. I would like to get to know you better. Mother. Push that out of his throat. <laughs> Mother. I thought it was very uh, funny when she saw Deanna Troy's quarters. <laughs> so great. Deanna Troy, is that who you're going to visit? Yes. Your father would be so pleased. Pleased? Well, he was worried that the sexuality program he designed for you wouldn't work. You misunderstand. He built you to be a sex Tough machine, literally. Good night. <laughs> funny. That was funny. I gotta say, I'm glad to see that Data is uh, continuing his therapy. <laughs> I think he needs the therapy. Although it is interesting that we don't, we don't have her touch base with him. Feels like this would be an episode where he would talk to her about his mother. They did. It was just off camera, apparently. Yeah. It's with your programming. But first, you put care gets a lot of weeks off. Social niceties like please and thank you. You were downright rude, in fact. <laughs> Data. <laughs> well, that's hard to picture. But that was nothing <laughs> to the problems we encountered. Never mind. I don't want to embarrass you. 
I am incapable of embarrassment. Please continue. <laughs> I'm programmed to think I'm incapable of embarrassment. <laughs> Even though I wasn't able to stand your touch a scene earlier. I didn't anticipate was that you didn't seem to mind about being uh, naked. Just like Dr. Manhattan? Some of the colonists objected <laughs> to having an anatomically correct android running around without any clothes on. Or we asked you to dress. But you didn't feel it was necessary because you didn't suffer from the elements. We actually had to write a modesty subroutine to get you to keep your clothes on. <laughs> they, they might have gone a little bit Who far because now he sleeps in his uniform. <laughs> phaser modifications are online, sir. My calculations indicate that the first phaser blast will be approximately 19 seconds in duration. Acknowledged. I cannot wait to run over and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Shouldn't we have a machine? Check the machine's calculations. I mean, this is a dirty machine. <laughs> uh, you know, I can't stand being around machines and... Uh... Checked his calculations, of course. No, but I'm sure Mr. Data knows what he's doing. Even so, he is a machine. Someone should check up on him. I have complete confidence in Mr. Data's ability to check up on himself. Kind of an interesting subplot. Phaser's locked on target. Fire when ready. It feels like a holdover. Of a larger plot. Yeah, Yeah, where like maybe he did find out. You know, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it is leading towards that. Yeah, I totally agree. By the way, do you think it's weird I mean, it's not weird, but just just to play it out, like story-wise, it's all fine. But okay, at the end, it's should I tell my mom? And like, no. Um, oh, I, I just found what? this. I found the information we were looking for. Oh, Go good ahead. for you. Um, but one thing that's weird to me is uh, seems weird to not tell the guy. I mean, I I understand if you're not going to tell her, then you wouldn't tell him. But that guy married an android. He's spending the rest of his life with her. That seems like not fair to not let him know. I don't know. I think I, I like where they left it. Because, you know, to her, as far as she knows, she's a human being. And as far as anybody else knew, she's a human being. Yeah. Which also, uh, you know, spoiler alert, so is Picard. You don't, think it's, you don't think it would be unfair for yourself to like be like, hey, Matt, yeah. Dory's a robot. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> You'd be fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. What could she do? <laughs> I guess you're the wrong person to ask. <laughs> um, what'd you find? Cut uh, Cut here was a scene in which Troy counseled Data to talk to his mother, a reference to a hiccuping program that soon could never make work. Only the bare bones remains of another storyline survived the cut, too. Juliana's husband, Pran, is distrustful of androids like Data, a concept designed to raise the tension involved in his final decision. The cooling core tech, blah, blah, blah. So that was a thread that I was that played more heavily into the plot. And there was a scene with Troy there. Yes. Ah, there you go. We got good eyes. We've broken through. Good writer eyes. Turning the beam. Oh, the pocket seems stable. I detect no increase in the stress levels of the surrounding magma. Good work, Dana. I don't think we could have gotten in any cleaner. We have data to <laughs> <laughs> You shithead. What, By sir? the way, though, 
uh, yeah, Riker's offended. It's like, shouldn't you have, if you're about to drill into a planet's core, shouldn't you have anybody check, double check somebody's figures? <laughs> Even if it is Data who come up with the originals, wouldn't it be like, can you have just have somebody else's eyes on it? I mean, we're drilling into the fucking planet's core. Well, I mean, there's a hundred people's eyes on it because, you know, Jordy's there. Yeah. Dr. Trainer's there. Well, Riker doesn't seem to imply that there anybody else's eyes were on it. His figures were perfect. The drilling process has increased the temperature in the magma pockets by almost 300 degrees Celsius. It will be several hours before it cools enough for us to enter. Data, do you have any plans right now? I do not. I mean, I'm technically Maybe on duty. We should spend so. a little time together. Are you going to have sex with that Troy right now? <laughs> Playing this piece at a recital tomorrow evening. That was beautiful. I did like this whole. Are you saying that because you're my mom? <laughs> I have been told that my playing is technically flawless, but no one has ever described it as beautiful. It was, really. Are you certain you are not saying this because you are my mother? <laughs> I have noticed that parents tend to exaggerate when it comes to their children's accomplishments. <laughs> Well, I suppose there's a certain amount of vanity involved, uh, considering that giving you a creative aspect was my idea. I mean, really, she's taking credit for literally everything. She really is. <laughs> I gave you the kind of kind of a little program. bit of it. I also gave you the creative uh, spark, and uh, I made it so you uh, could get into Starfleet. You know, he's uh, he's actually being very sensitive at the end because he could really throw it back in his mom's face. <laughs> like, oh, actually, you know what? You were created after me. You're responsible for nothing. <laughs> oh, your father didn't really see the point. He thought that since you didn't have emotions, there would be no real need for you to express yourself. Somehow, I had the feeling that the opposite would be true. I do not know for certain. But I believe it is during my creative endeavors that I come closest to experiencing what it must be like to be human. Well, I'm glad I insisted. That's really annoying. Um, um, does she get a drink in this scene? I was no, I was noting. Oh, he 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 gives her the uh, the viola, right? Yes, he makes her a viola for her. Yes. Um, uh, this is dumb on my part, probably, but uh, it never occurred to me that the replicators in the quarters you could go, you could make those kinds of items with. I assume that yeah, was yeah, like yeah, a more yeah. elaborate replicator. I think somewhere. that is that Data has in his quarters, much oh, like wow. Data has that giant computer in his quarters. <laughs> gotcha. You know, I feel like he's like constantly making things because he has unlimited energy yeah. and he's like ah, i'm gonna invent a new tool yeah he's in the style of the early french impressionists oh it's very good so what do most people have Who's just this? like when the water comes out of the faucet in the quarters well if you remember correctly pumped the from somewhere? episode data's day yeah they show the uh the larger replicators you're talking about when mm. Worf is looking 
two, and Data is looking to get a wedding present for Keiko and O'Brien. Remember? Right. Yes, that sounds yes. So there is a like a there is like an uh, an area you can go to for those larger things. But when you get just water or something from your in your quarters, which I water out of the faucet or water out of a replicator. Water out of the faucet. Okay. Or do they have do they have water drink replicators in the in the I guess they must in the yes in the quarters. Yeah. So those are just smaller. Less elaborate. Those are food replicators, as far as I can tell. Okay. Oh, here's a question, though. When you turn on the faucet, is that a replicator, or is it being pumped from a replicator? No, that's water. What do you mean? That's water. From, like... The water isn't. The water isn't replicated. No, that means, like, the water in the ship system. You know, like when you pee on a starship and the biofilter, you know, filters everything out and recycles it. Right. Like on Dune. Like on Dune or on Enterprise when... They're all drinking each other's essences when archers, When Archer's answering that question from that... Or is it Trip that's answering the question from that kindergarten class or something? Right. (laughs) That is love. My daughter. Your daughter? I created her using myself as a model. Where is she now? Dead. The positronic matrix I designed for her was unstable. She only lived a short time. She? In a sense, you were her grandmother. What do you think of this lady's performance? I think it's very good. Would you like to practice now? It's sort of hard, because she's playing essentially an idealized version of a mother um but also a human being so it's kind of tough i don't think there's any ideal idealism happening i feel like in that's the sense the of like of that episode. why else would why else would she leave sung if sung was making an idealized version of this person this per this the android right. would never have left right i hear what you're saying yes it's it's i guess i'm saying idealized in the sense of like the intention of the episode, I think, is to present her in sort of an idealized motherly form. Barring the android thing. Barring the android thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yes, I agree with you that he was just making a duplicate of her of her brain and personality, mm. which is pretty awesome. That he, well, I the mean, idea that he does such a good job that she's like, she would have left me anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then this all, it's funny. It's all like, because this is what I was talking about when we were doing Picard. Yeah. Of like these quote unquote advancements in Android cybernetics or whatever. Right. That that Sung already did it. Yes. And like Sung's son, which is never mentioned here. Yeah. That, you know, Brent Spiner plays in Picard. Um his whole plan is like <laughs> which I think is a valid plan for someone like that, is to like, I'm gonna drop my you know I'm going to drop my brain into this android body now. I've yeah. had enough of my human form. Right. I'm going to live forever but, and be able to lift so many weights. I guess it's a question of what did Sung... It feels like Sung was aware of the dangers of giving other people this technology. So he might not have told anyone, I guess. In what? In What do you mean? 
I guess I'm just wondering. It seems like if you've gotten as far as the Juliana Android, then, like you're saying, the technology would be far more advanced by the time you get to Picard. Well, no, because of all of Sung's research and stuff getting lost and no one ever being able to replicate it. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. Okay. Um, she performed her own viola in the show. Really? Yep. Is she she already could perform? Yes, according uh-huh. to the trivia. It's very uh, convincing movements. I will say, I was kind of impressed. Uh, while rehearsing the scene and playing. spending a lot of time playing those six to eight bars of music in order to make it convincing for the camera, she played it herself. Android again. Perhaps. I created Lal because I wished to procreate. Despite what happened to her, I still have that wish. But how do you know the same thing won't happen? Creating a stable positron matrix is very tricky. Your father lost several prototypes before Lore. I was not aware he created other androids before my brother. There was Jeffy. Jeffy, of course. (laughs) They were like children. B4, Jeffy, and Jeffy 2. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was in the naming, really. So there were the three right. others, and we know about one other, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or do we know later on, do we find out more? No. That's it. As far as we know. Bring a life into the world with so little chance of surviving. But your father was sure that he'd figured out what went wrong. Insisted he could make a stable matrix, and he did. It'd be funny if the other two were, like, just different personalities, like, in multiplicity. Like, one's this kind of a swinger. (laughs) Eventually, we had no choice. We had to dismantle Jacket. Your father decided to build yet another android. One who didn't have emotions. I couldn't believe would want to try again I am that android are you saying you were against my creation initially I was but I was wrong I know that now I followed your progress for years I'm very proud of what you've accomplished then why did you never attempt to contact me I felt guilty about something I'd done. Perhaps if you told me what has made you feel this way, it would alleviate the guilt. I lied. When I said there was no room for you in the escape pod we took from Omicron, there was. I didn't want to bring you with us. Afraid if we reactivated you, you'd turn out like Lore. I made Noonien leave you behind. It's about the only time I've uh, 
I've seen someone put their hand to someone's lips so they don't say anything is anything except a bit. <laughs> Usually it's done in some comedy context. It's the first time I've ever seen anyone do it for real. <laughs> or in a show, rather. In a dramatic way, context rather. If we do, we will have to begin a new shaft at a suitable location. There is no other suitable location. Just give me a few more seconds. Doctor, it's going to take longer than that to match the... You did it. What were you saying, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) Mother? Boom! Sorry, Dana. (laughs) It's just luck I hit the right frequency. In your face! All right, we're less than two kilometers away from the target site. Stand by to terminate the beam. We've broken through. Now! I'm detecting no signs of instability. Commander, may I suggest we set up the infusion unit in the first magma pocket and give this one a chance to cool? And not let that Data, machine Dr. near Tanner. it. We'll meet you in room. Oh, damn it. I should have said the machine part. Now you're going to the transporter room with that machine. <laughs> Gross machines. <laughs> Ugh, I hate even being near them. <laughs> there are signs of stress in the surrounding magma. But the site should remain stable until we finish the plasma infusion. You Good, we're machine. almost through. You know no stress, because you're a machine. <laughs> Come along, Julia darling. Told <laughs> me what she said to you last night. She's been very upset. I don't blame you for being angry with her, but capable. I'd like you to make this about her now. <laughs> it's all right, Pran. Now, run along or I'll crush your skull in my hands. I hope you understand my reasons. I do like that she says, I hope you understand her reasons, and Data's like, nope. (laughs) I'm not certain I do. Perhaps you could clarify them for me. Well, I'll try. What do you want to know? If I had been your biological offspring, would you have left me on Omicron Theta? How can I answer that? Dr. Tainer, I get the impression you were trying to spare my feelings. I assure you that is not necessary. I just don't want you to misunderstand my answer. No, I wouldn't have left you behind if you'd been my biological child. Is that because you place more value on biological life than artificial life? Obviously, you dingbat. You're so thick. I had hoped when you were reactivated you wouldn't be so thick. (laughs) I'm just sorry I did. I hope you believe me. I do. Thank you for making it clear to me. Hello. You're still here. (laughs) Anything else weird is? I want you to look at this guy to the right who's dressed in the suit. (laughs) Uh, It's a a hell of a lapel. I really want to follow what that guy's deal is. (laughs) And see... You never see anybody in that kind of suit. Hang on, Riker's got his arm around that girl. (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) 
Frank's for the win. <laughs> I'm dating the lady who's I'm in charge of the er- going <laughs> the aerobicize do... on the on this ship. <laughs> I'm going to do some character work back here. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Jai? Is that the lady from the bridge? I can't tell. I think that's the the extra that's always there. I forgot to I forgot that I wanted to mention the part where she asks him if she could play the viola in the concert. And he's like, Okay, like do you know check with anybody else in your band, Data? <laughs> Just like bringing your mom along? Is it a duet? It, I don't is it meant to be a duet? You're saying he booted everybody else out. <laughs> right? Like that's what it felt like. Let me just pop back for a second. Uh. Experiencing what it must be like. Data. I'm very familiar with that handle piece. Uh, how would you feel about my playing the viola part tomorrow? I would like that very much. I'll have to practice. You don't happen to have a viola. I could replicate one for you. It's funny that, uh, Sung programmed her to think she needed to practice when she was going to play it exactly the same in practice. (laughs) (laughs) Look at that guy's suit. What does that guy do? Is he he like a fucking shuttle salesman <laughs> i was actually gonna say he he he, he sells liquor to guinan <laughs> that seems like that's that's exactly right <laughs> he's just visiting i got a fine case of sorry and brandy guinan <laughs> i like how data is so concerned he just bolts data why do you want to look with his violin records is something wrong with her I was hoping you would be able to determine that <laughs> from her. You still got the violin. You're totally yeah. right. Probably I could. But ordinarily, I don't check somebody's medical status without a good reason. Doctor. But I do I tell would... other people their medical yeah. status. I was like, <laughs> what, what is happening here, Data and Dr. Crusher? What are you... <laughs> is, is there no HIPAA anymore? So strange. Require me to be more Maybe specific. there isn't on Starfleet ships, you know. Yeah. The risks to the crew being what they are. Okay. They're so evolved, you, or is, or is it just a, a necessity? I mean, all right. Yeah. Also, he says he has a good reason for asking, and so we're to assume, oh, it's a safety issue because why else would you be allowed to look at anybody else's medical records? And it's not. It's it's just his own curiosity. Also, what what a I mean, obviously, he's a genius. At first glance, uh, I see nothing wrong with her. He just made a program that's able to fake the response to every scanner in the future. Look, that's just that Sung way. That guy's a genius. I see. Maybe you should tell me what her symptoms are. She has fast math. (laughs) 
<laughs> and and very good at re, re replicating previous violin perfor- viola performances. Not complaining. Also, about discomfort. weird blinking. <laughs> she also sweats, which I find very <laughs> peculiar. And why do you want to see her medical records? Because I have reason to believe she is not who she claims to be. Bridge to data. Go ahead, sir. There's been a cave-in in one of the magma pockets. You're needed in transporter room two. On my way. Excuse me, doctor. You're violent. Oh. <laughs> she's gonna, she just throws it back into the <laughs> replication system. <laughs> that was what a true happened? Stradivarius. We were running a final check on the infusion units when a part of the wall gave way. It looks like the area. It was this dirty machine's fault. <laughs> <laughs> if he hadn't stood there being so heavy, <laughs> the wall would still be there. Pocket will collapse. How long, Jordy? It's tough to tell, Commander. <laughs> 12 hours at most. Then we must finish configuring the unit and inject the plasma immediately. I'd rather not send anyone back down there. If you don't do it now, Commander, it may take months to find another suitable site. The core may solidify by then. She's right. We have to act now. All right, but I want you in and out of there as quickly as possible. Acknowledged. You're hurt. I'll go. Give me your tricorders. We can't take our own. Oh no, those are flashlights. They still <laughs> we need your flashlights. <laughs> All right, they jump down. So in that scene, this is the thing that occurred to me. Couldn't Data, even if she was a human, couldn't he have picked her up and jumped himself and sort of, you know, braced both of their falls? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he was was he intentionally going no you gotta jump just go ahead jump because he think, wanted to I, see what would happen no I think he was probably being like you're gonna be fine <laughs> but she wasn't he was wrong he wanted to see her get all busted up like an android basically she's a some type android except everything about her is designed to fool you into thinking she's human It's a great uh, prosthetic flap. That is good. I agree. I know there's like a bump in the forehead a little bit, but like better than what they're usually putting on there. It has tear ducts. They finally perfected it by the seventh season. Sweat glands. Even veins and capillaries underneath her skin. Why does the skin have not much room for all that? Because she has a feedback processor designed to send out a false biosignal. It's part of her aging program. Not only does she age in appearance like Data... Vital signs changed. I love the the fucking. I love Frank's in that moment because. (laughs) Oh, look at that! He just is like, he eyeballs data like up and down, like, oh yeah, I guess you are getting older. That is so amazing. Also, wasn't that a point of contention about Picard, or it wasn't? No, everybody was like, oh yeah, he's supposed to age. What are you talking about? Uh, Nothing. I feel like I'm spoiling stuff anyway. So let's just uh, drop it there. No, but like, no, but in reference to what Data looks like? Yes. Well, Data's supposed to look like he did in Nemesis. Oh, I see. That's what the issue is. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but like, watch, watch Frakes again. Veins and capillaries underneath her skin. Why does a scanner read her as human? Because she has a feedback processor designed to send out a false biosignal. Part of her aging program, not only does she age in appearance like Data, her vital signs change too. 
<laughs> definitely <laughs> does. Really, Wait a minute. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really take this moment and just milk it. Can't figure he out really why does. she lost consciousness. As far as I can see, everything is fine. She should be awake. He must have been making that decision in the other scene that was like, I think Riker's going to be on a date in this scene. I I agree. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to do some character work back here. It's really funny. You said you knew she was an android. How? The first indication occurred when we were digging. I saw her perform complex calculations without the assistance of the computer. That could have just meant she was good at math. That is true. But it was enough to get my attention. Later, I noticed something odd about the way she blinked her eyes. The intervals between blinks were governed by the Fourier system, the same mathematical formula my father used to give my blinking pattern the appearance of randomness. Only you could have noticed something like that. Then there was the concert in 10 Forward. What about it? We had practiced the piece, and I noticed she played it the same way during the performance. Every pitch, every intonation was exactly the same. Only an artificial life form could have done that. Does her husband know anything about this? I do not believe so. Good, because he He's hates machines. Plasma fusion. <laughs> Probably just as well. Theta. You should have heard that guy. This. Also, wouldn't they be poking around in there and take a couple of notes and put that into you know all the systems so it wasn't Sung that just had the information? What? I guess I'm saying all the Sung information was lost, but couldn't it have just, you know, wouldn't Jordy have gone, did oh, you, you do did this? Did you miss Measure of a Man? Are you not allowed to record When Maddox it? was like, I want to disassemble you, Data. I understand and that. And figure but... out everything that makes you tick. I might not be able to put you back together. So the best cybernetic mind we have I see. In Starfleet, is not sure he can put data back together. <laughs> right. Okay, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. It appears to be an information module. It's a tiny a CD. interface. <laughs> what if Data just ate it? <laughs> Jordy's like, Data? Well, wait, I, I was pretty sure that's what I was supposed to do, was it not? <laughs> dropped it into his coffee that is correct i programmed this hologram to answer any questions you might have except how i did it i am union (laughs) (laughs) i keep it for myself i am data data i hope somehow it would be you (laughs) this guy really prepared for all eventualities i mean he's the most brilliant scientist that ever lived I wonder if the the, uh, the message he recorded for Lore was a little bit snottier. <laughs> Lore. I can't believe you're still around. <laughs> Answer your questions. You probably killed me by now, I'm betting. <laughs> How are you, boy? I am fine. I'm glad you got the chance to meet your mother. You refer to Dr. Tainer as my mother, yet the complexity of her design indicates she was created after I was. You're right. But there was a real Juliana O'Donnell. Well, gave him a red nose. She was my was wife. A WC Field style alcoholic. Help me create you. 
What happened to her? She was... Mouthing off. What? No, 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 <laughs> Dr. Sung, no! Injured when the crystalline entity attacked. We made it as far as Terlina 3, but... She slipped into a coma. When I realized nothing could be done for her, I built an android. I tried to perfect my synaptic scanning techniques so that I could transfer Juliana's memories into a positronic matrix. Didn't know if it would work, but I had to try. stand the thought of losing the only woman I ever loved. By the way, a little bit more Picard spoilery stuff. Wouldn't it have made more sense call me crazy? Yeah. But if that if Sung's son quote unquote yeah. wasn't Sung's son but was actually Sung in an android body Oh yeah, because he had figured out this positronic mapping thing. That's and, and dropped it in there. I mean, that's for sure. The idea that that existed, yeah. If he got Two to that after. point, but I mean, that's what he's doing in that in 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 Picard time. You know, you know, thirty years after this, it's actually way better than it being his son. I I, I agree. I just wish they watched this episode. <laughs> Juliana died. I activated the android. She looked up at me and smiled. Because, like, Picard has no... Like, Picard... I feel like Picard even would have mentioned her. Right. Juliana. Because he knows she's an android. Yeah. I don't know. She recognized me. Wait a minute. And it worked! Uh, Never mind. I'm going to be into deep deep Picard spoilers. Go ahead. If I go farther. Skip ahead a couple of minutes, guys. No, I feel bad. I feel bad. I don't want to go. Bad about what? No one's watching that show. Save yourselves. All right, go go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thirty seconds. The uh, did they did they do with Picard the same thing that he's Mm -hmm. saying he did with Juliana? Mm -hmm. So is that technically not Picard? Is Picard dead? And they just have a recreation of it? Yeah. That is so depressing. I somehow didn't process that. I thought How did it was you some not process way, that? I thought there was some way they actually got his consciousness into the the new android. Not that it was just a digital recreation of him. Well, it is and it isn't, right? It's his entire brain. I guess there's, there's the, the question same of thing. like, is there a distinction of that or transporters? But I feel like transporters are the, they at least have the suggestion that it's your matter that is being. Right. Yeah. But this just, this just, this just begs the whole question of like, like, like you're saying at the end here where you're like, how could you not tell at least the husband? Right. But like what I'm saying is like, I, I agree with Data not saying anything because, for all intents and purposes, she is Juliana Tainer. What I'm getting from you is you don't believe in a soul. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. But if you like 
scanned my entire consciousness. Yeah. And this consciousness went away. Yeah. And that one was left. Yeah. That's that's me. But doesn't that as far as I'm doesn't concerned. that or doesn't that you if you do believe in a soul theoretically not have your soul? <laughs> what is a soul? I, but I energy, know. you know, it's like eh. Yeah, it's not your energy. It's an it's a new being's energy. That's what my point is about the transporters. It's a new being. Yeah. I think it's me. <laughs> you just think it was digital. I think we're all just robot meat puppets. As far as she was concerned, that was her husband. She just recovered from a terrible injury. It was incredible. That's clearly what Sung believes. Then you never told her the truth. Why? There was no reason for her to know. I wanted her to be happy. Wanted us to be happy. We were. For a while. What happened? Well, when she said she was leaving me, I created this portion of the question and answer. I made a terrible mistake. I deactivated her one night and dropped this in her forehead. <gasps> I never really... Oh, really good point. Let her know how much... That is her. a real timeline problem. So she left me. Then I bumped into her For and you, I... Juliana would have left Stuck too. this in her head. If she'd lived. If she recovers and learns that she is an android, she doesn't have to know... I designed her to shut down in the event the truth was discovered. When you you put that chip back in, she will wake up and remember nothing. All you have to do is make up some excuse about what happened to her. Out of curiosity, what are they telling the husband during this whole period? <laughs> He's down on the surface dealing with the fucking magma pocket. Oh, okay. Do not believe she's not, not the up there truth. like no. worrying about his wife. Truth. No. For convenience and plot. Truth is, in every way that matters, she is Juliana Song. Disagree. I programmed her to terminate after a long life. Let her live out her days. And die believing she was human. Don't rob her of that, son. It seems that I must make a decision whether to tell Dr. Tainer that she is an android or to withhold that information from her. I do not know what to do. And her asshole husband. Why is Dr. Sung so adamant that she not be told? He seems certain that if she knew, it would preclude the possibility of her being happy. Data, what do you think? <laughs> She'll deactivate. I understand why my father felt <laughs> and die if we tell her. <laughs> His wishes are not necessarily paramount. I am more concerned with what would be best for her. Wouldn't she be better off knowing the truth? Dealing with the reality of her existence? I don't think so. She's believed she's human all her life. The truth might be devastating to her. Data, there might come. She'll shut down if we tell her. In the future, she would find out anyway. Did anyone listen to Dr. Soong? <laughs> it would be easier for her if she learned the truth from you. I can tell you that if I were in her place, I would rather be told by my son 
than by some stranger. Wesley's not telling you shit. <laughs> I find it's I'm entirely possible that she is an android that Wesley created. <laughs> Real Beverly's still in charge of Starfleet Medical. He just missed her so much he created Beverly Crusher Android. Told sure. no one. Uh, I, I guess I don't know at what point he, he created the Beverly Crusher Android. If she knew she were an android, we would have something to share. I would no longer be alone in the universe. You're not. You have three brothers. Four <laughs> brothers. Yeah. Five if you count the human. I know how much that means to you, Data. But at the same time, by telling her, you're robbing her of the one thing you've wanted all your life. To be human. And to be active. Because <laughs> again, it will she will deactivate. No, no, it's not difficult, Captain. Whatever decision you make. I'm just there. No one's listening to me. No, no. I was there with Data. I watched the thing. If we tell her, she will deactivate. She's been programmed to essentially terminate function. Anyway, the real shame is that Matt was killed on the planet. <laughs> what? No, I'm right here. <laughs> oh, no, I'm a ghost like Roe and Jordy. <laughs> Last thing I remember was jumping off a cliff. You were knocked unconscious by the fall. You broke a bone in your arm, but Dr. Crusher repaired it. Everything is fine. He's got some fantastic cheekbones. I gave those to her. The real Juliana's <laughs> cheekbones weren't quite so pronounced. Captain's Law Supplement. Infusion of plasma. That's the, the main reason I created androids. <laughs> I'm obsessed with cheekbones. Uh, the human form. I perfected it, Data. <laughs> Look at my cheeks and yours. You're me if I were me. I have the worst cheeks in the universe. <laughs> main molten for several hundred years. When will I see you again? Perhaps I can visit a trio on my next leave. I would like that very much. Well, I better be going. There is something I think you should know. My pause, father pause, told pause. me... <laughs> beep, 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 beep. ...that he had only one great love in his life. Bananas. He regretted but also you. How much he cared for. <laughs> he loved bananas so much. I'm certain. Boy, <laughs> let me tell you about bananas. There's <laughs> an hour and a half of this on this holodisc. <laughs> They're great in bread, <laughs> chopped up in cereal. Have you had cereal, boy? <laughs> Sometimes I'll just sit there with a can of peanut butter and put peanut butter on each piece of banana. You know what I like about bananas? God gave them a wrapper. <laughs> Their peel, you see? And then he. <laughs> yeah. 
shades. You can also do jokes with them. Look, it's my nose. Also, when you discard the peel, it becomes the funniest trash. It's referring to you. I'm like giving him a little WC Fields. <laughs> he is a little WC Fields. <laughs> On a tree, there is a saying that a child born from parents who love each other will have nothing but goodness in his heart. I guess that explains you. Yeah, what about Laura Lady? Oh, I didn't love him then. <laughs> she said, a child born from parents that love each other. <laughs> so, don't think he had that much goodness in his heart. Sorry. I love this like, subtle touch at the end to have Data subtle, like, give the smile. Oh, I didn't notice at that. At the end here. I can tell you when she leaned in, I was like, it looks like she's about to kiss him, which I think would have been... The most fantastic, Goodbye. weird ending. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. A little smile. That's nice. Her arm falls off as she's transported. <laughs> Crusher! Damn it, Crusher! <laughs> uh, that was uh, good times. Good times had by some. <laughs> All right, so that 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 uh, that that's out of the way, Andy. It's time for the. Uh... Well, it's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Get over there. Well, who is the most valuable crew member in this episode? Is it's it not Crusher she, for firing the phaser? Even, even able to identify an android. Oh, maybe maybe Worf. <laughs> You know, Jordy is seems to be the one who first comes up with the idea of how to save the planet, and sure. then yep, he and the then planet. Data fleshes it out. Yeah. Or is it the uh, the liquor salesman for keeping uh, keeping ten forward in uh, in stock? Is it Riker's befuddled date <laughs> for putting up with him? The shenanigans. Is it Picard for only appearing in one scene? <laughs> And ignoring the ignoring the information that's been presented about Data's mother. I mean, it's like Troy is the only one who's like, no, no, guys, here's what Data actually said would happen. <laughs> uh, you could say it's certainly, obviously, Data because he's he's the person who kind of is instrumental in keeping the uh, the you know the the planet safe in that last stretch. But I feel like you got to give some points to Jordy too. I'm giving it to Jordy. I'm going to give it to Data because I feel like when we look back on this episode, we will have no idea why you gave it to Jordy. <laughs> well, if, you, if that's how you're judging the MVC, then we've made a lot of wrong decisions because we're not going to remember anything. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, uh, one for Jordy, one for Data. All right. Then let's now find out. How many Andy's does this episode get? Um, it's definitely a solid episode, and uh, there's a lot of things that could have been very silly with it being his mother, and I think they really do a very nice, subtle job with it. I, I knew that there was a reveal coming, and I had a suspicion of what it was, but I still thought it was well handled. Um, yeah, 
and a good performance by her. Uh, I give it a 7.5. Wow. I'm giving it a 9. Ooh, a 9. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's like in the seventh season, you know, we've seen some wonky episodes already, and we've seen some episodes where you're like, why are we doing this? Particularly with the previous episode where we're like, why are we wasting time on this? What yeah. is this? What is this? What is this? This episode, it just like, ha- it ticks all those Star Trek boxes, you know? It's got that moral quandary. It's got that cool sci-fi thing. It's got that plot happening in the background where the ship has to solve some sort of uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, it all ties back into the plot. You know, it's like it's like that. It reminds me a lot of that plot in Deja Q where the uh, moon is losing orbit on that planet and it's going to smash into the planet. Uh-huh. And that's what they're trying to solve the whole time Q is there. Right. You know, at the end of that one, it's, you know, Q gives them the gift of, like, moving the planet, moving the moon back into orbit and whatever. It's solved like that. But, like, that whole, like, I like it. Like, this is what the Enterprise is doing out there, you know? It's exploring and it's also, like, coming to the aid of planets, Federation planets. Um, It just, it ticks all the boxes for me. So, it's a, it's a nine out of uh, out of ten Andes. You know what? You've convinced me, and I'm going up to an eight. Wow! I think that I the only my only hesitancy in going higher is even though I agree with everything you're saying, and I think it was an incredibly well written episode. Eh, all, right, all right, it's fine. It's all it's all good. It's all really well done. <laughs> it's like eh, I don't know. It didn't didn't knock me on my took us as <laughs> as my people say. Uh, your machine. I don't my like machine machines. Took your took us is. <laughs> like he's playing it very Jewish at one point. Like it's very <laughs> the husband. Yes, <laughs> it, the the scene on the planet surface where yeah. like he goes to bat for the mom. Uh-huh. It's like very like here's the guilt trip. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. That would have been kind of a funny. Yeah, that would have been a funny turn also if she tried to like mom guilt him into yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean by the idealized mom version. But. Right. That uh, she never did any of the the mom the negatives of moms. Right. <laughs> it was all the positives. Yeah, um, and then he just said, "I again, I have no emotions." So you got to listen to your mother. That's not going to me either. <laughs> uh, all right, that was great. All good things uh, is the name of the last episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I don't know why I said that out loud, but. <laughs> <laughs> You're really accelerating it. It's like, are we there yet? What happened? We will be soon enough. Uh, but another good episode as far as Matt's concerned coming up here. Uh, parallels. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to watch the trailer. I feel like we forgot to watch the trailer a few weeks ago on something. And uh, we're going to watch it right now. Share the screen with Andy while the helicopter somehow seems Choppers. to land outside my house. Yeah. Here we go. Is Worf losing his grip on reality? You don't remember us falling in love and getting married? His world keeps changing right before his eyes. What is my rank and position? Your commander and first officer. Now he faces an uncertain destiny. Mr. Worf does not belong in our universe. With no escape from this mind-altering nightmare, next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. This looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. Parallels. There you I go. Love Screw the you, Marvel's What If. Stuff. Star Trek oh, wow. was there first. Love it. 
really. in fairness, what Comics, if existed yeah, before yeah, yeah, uh, Next Generation? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> 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 it was All right. so clogged up with actual Star Trek content. Uh, we don't even uh, we haven't touched any of the Marvel series. Which, Marvel by the way, it's like I was some, I was watching something today. Which was talking about all the Marvel stuff that has come out this year, and do you realize in this calendar year, Andy? Here, here's what we've had yeah. and what we're uh-huh. going to have for Marvel. All right. Okay. Yeah. WandaVision, Black Widow, yeah. Falcon right. and the Winter Sh- Soldier. Yeah. Shang Chi. Yep. What if? Yep. Hawkeye series. Right. Uh huh. And Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah. That is eight. Eight fucking things. I'm real excited. Eight things in a year that only has 12 months in it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and the Eternals. And, and the Eternals. Nine. And during the pandemic. Nine. Well, they had yeah. released nothing in 2020. Yeah. So I guess it's like the backlog coming out. But also like, that's too many things. <laughs> it may be. You may be right. They seem to be holding the quality like at this point well have you watched uh, what the, if uh i've watched the first episode i haven't watched okay. which i really enjoyed that's well that's but like okay so and, and did you see Sha- you saw shang chi i saw shang chi um is there anything that has come out that you haven't seen uh you watch falcon no. and winter soldier watch falcon and winter soldier yeah. all right so you're keeping up it's yeah. interesting to me. It's like I find it. It's like hard to keep up. Like Shang Chi. Now I feel like I've missed the fucking boat. Yeah. So now I have to watch it on. Whenever. And did you ever watch Black Widow? No. Oh yeah. We I didn't should. watch Black Widow either. I mean, we should definitely scoop up the films at some point. Yeah, but it's patron. so. But it's like so much content. It's crazy. It's insane, and it kind of is doing the thing that I. It's funny, gosh, I don't even know how long ago I said this. It may have even been the 90s. But uh, I was infuriated because, to me, my stance was always superhero films are the Westerns, have the potential to be the next Westerns. That it's just, this is the universe, and we're going to do a million variations on it. And then now that is what it is. Um and it's just like as as with happened with westerns it's just probably going to be a million different versions it's going to be low budget high budget it's going to be different versions of the same stories and uh and you know it may end up in the same place is there as you're saying there's too much point? yeah it may it may be like you know what we're done with westerns <laughs> yeah but also like to that point it's funny that we're talking about this on this episode of this podcast for some reason but like it's bonus content there's got to be a point where it's like I mean, you look at comics. Think about how many how many how many titles are out every yeah. month for right. Marvel and DC. Uh-huh. Just Marvel and DC, let alone Image and Dark Horse, and like it's just like there's so many, there's so much backlog content that they could just make. Right. It's wild. It's endless. Of course, there's. You know, they've been basically picking and choosing from more recent comic and book titles to get the things that have already been kind of reinvented for them here's what so I it's would, not like they can go to anything at any point in in comic history and I, take it it would be so funny to me if they decided to do the star trek tng 
X-Men crossover as an animated series with I everybody mean, doing the voices. I think oh, they absolutely should. That would be so funny. <laughs> Maybe we should pitch it. Oh, hey, guys, could you do this? And then they're like, no, we don't. Paramount's the one thing we don't own. And then we leave. And then a week later, they buy Paramount. Uh, All right, everyone. It's time for Andy and I to head back into the President's Circle and uh, say thank you to some of our new patrons. The United Federation of Planets President's Circle. Uh, so Andy, the it's in the Dropbox. It's called October Members, uh, and uh, I have it there. Now we talked about last month. We talked about reading the new entries versus reading all of them, and I don't know that we ever came to any sort of conclusions on that. We didn't. I was thinking about doing a poll in the patron. Okay. To make sure we so until that poll, let's uh, continue our business as usual. Uh, and uh, let me find some some nice music for us next Uh, time for those of you who are short of patience of hearing a bunch of names feel free to feel free to you know go go back to your quarters hit the stop button there's also a stop. Button. There's a there's a handy dandy stop button that you, you can know. use at any You're point. Good. You've, you've gotten <laughs> enough out of this show, then uh, God bless and thanks. For Unless listening. there's a secret uh, bonus track or something fascinating at the end, mm. who knows? We never know. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Usually it's organic. Who knows? Andy's trying to trying to pull the curtain back here. Let's just first of all say big thanks to uh, 666 here. Let's not forget the winner <laughs> of tonight's uh, big Dr. McCoy Doctober drawing, uh, Aaron N. You did it, Aaron. Aaron, you. Uh, you're I hope Aaron N. She's at the president circle level, right? She is, so she's yeah. she's someone who listens to all this because it would be no it would be really I awful. was given to somebody who's like, "What? I won what? I can't imagine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I don't think the presidents all listen to this. I wouldn't if I were them." The main pod? No, this this portion. Oh, this portion. Oh, yeah, that's. I mean, awesome. maybe I'd skip ahead to like, where's my name? But like, other right, than that, yeah. I'd be like, eh. Yeah. I don't need this. I don't need. I don't need these guys yammering, for so I mean, yammeries. Could say that about all of it. Well, that's very true. Uh, in case anyone's wondering, I am killing time because I uh, don't know what I did with the list. So. <laughs> he sent it to me. I I've already got it pulled up. Do you want me to send it back? Hang on. Let me just double check. You got, uh, that ends, uh, scroll down to the bottom. That ends with uh, Command Master Chief Robert Garrison, correct? Your Let's list. See. Jesus, so many. Yes. Okay. And Andy, I believe we said this time we would go, we would do every other name, right? Is that what uh, you, you made that decision. I, yeah. I wonder if that's, uh, that's we'll find out. down. But Ready? Yep. Here yep. we go. Thanks to the following folks. Jamie Rockwell. Mike's on bikes. Nikki Van Benthison. That is a tough one. Lisa Glidden. Glidden. Uh, Ruditis. Lieutenant Joe. CB007. Smack OS309. Am I missing a pun there? Uh, Smack OS309? <laughs> Destiny Salazar. 
president of RISA. Wow. So you could be the, the president, president of circle. RISA. You <laughs> yeah. can absolutely be the president of RISA. That is no problem here. You're not the president of the Federation. Uh, Kono. Kyles Huizman. Jennifer <laughs> Paz. Stephen Lolino. Elliot Kingdon. Robbie Battle. David Anthony Nichols. Elizabeth Anastasi. Chris Gomez. Callista Sutfin. Anthony Thomas Anderson. Daniel Rutledge. Rocky. Lauren D. Bootsy Frost. Bootsy, the tiebreaker of all tiebreakers. How <laughs> you doing, right. Bootsy? Bootsy was instrumental in uh, November being decided. <laughs> hey, Bootsy, do you think we should read all the names? Or some yeah, of them, or the new know. names, Bootsy? Oh, you're letting, you're letting <laughs> Bootsy decide everything from now on? That is probably something we could use. Uh, that's funny. Um, Mike V. Red Shirt Punk. Teresa Tini. Michael Parks Duncan. 1701. How did they do that? They, they pushed the 17 the, all the way to the right. Well, it's a number, so it ends up in the, mm. you know, that's how, that's how Excel spreadsheets work. Aaron. Trent Rao. Tobias Hughes Brown. It's Tobias. Tom no longer Tobias. in Canada. What is Tobias? Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> Tobias. You got, I think my oh, disease yeah. infecting you. Uh, Kevin Cunin. Lieutenant Jared Matthews. Brett Harrington. Tom Zara. Kathy Wagner. Lieutenant JB. Jason Schoolcraft. Carter Parent. Lee Dickerson. Tim King. Dan Cannon. Thank you to Cody Shaver. Uh, Britt. Alperetti. Hang on. I didn't say the last name. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. Britt and I apologize. James Galbraith. Drew Taylor. Neil McCann. <laughs> Nile? No, you. you I, I thought you were having trouble with the McCann, which I was laughing at. No. Because um, it's clearly McCann. First one. Uh, Steve underscore Mithrander. Uh, it's Mithrandir is the way that it's well, said look, in, hey, the, in the Lord of the Rings uh, books. Thank you. Ben Sautel. <laughs> Wait. It's the way you said it in the Lord of the Rings books, but is it the way it's pronounced in Lord of the Rings canon? What's the distinction? <laughs> the distinction is you read it to yourself, and in your head you heard it pronounced such a, you know. Oh, y- y- fair enough. Yes. In canon. I guess. Okay. That's all. That's yes. all I'm asking. Uh, and then Ben Sattel. <laughs> it's <is> fair. <laughs> I could have been pronouncing it wrong my whole life. Yeah. Phil Roll Acrit Johnson. Uh, Roll Acrit Johnson. Rail Goodall. SDF Prowler. Ben Miller. Earlier. Thomas Evans. Nicholas Lindner. Daniel Duval. Sean Baum. John Eckley. Kevin Helm. Ephraim. Uh, Morgan and Les on the Ocean. John Poindexter. Jeremy. Jeffrey Jakes. Tim. T-Y-M-C. Micho. Is that, you think how it's supposed yeah, to be? Yeah, I think so. And Miriam at Quark's. Quark has Latinum Gold pressed. <laughs> Robert Mashburn. B-Matt. Susan Wilson. Suzanne Evan Wilson. Smith. That's how you'd Sorry. say that. Evan Smith. Darren George. Philip Lately. <laughs> Ellis Merritt. This is definitely slower, Matt. Andrew hey, D. Meyer. Look, uh, they get a lot more interaction between us. That's what they all come uh, Well, for. that's certainly true. Uh, master of Disguise. <laughs> 
Monsieur Hops. Kevin Smith. I am Wes, and I will never shut up. <laughs> Elliot King did. Did we tell him to shut up? Shut David up, Wesley. Chaffetz. Oh, Wes. There you go. Good catch. There you go. Uh, Rich Chaffetz. Christensen. Kristen Bracken. Rachel Kelly. Steph Hackett. Rachel Waltmeyer. Lieutenant Moreland. Uh, Jareth McGrath. Jarleth? Jarleth McGrath. Uh, 10 forward gamma shift shift manager. (laughs) Thomas Bowater. Jacob Parikh. Candace Homan Arnon. William Black. Ian Clark. Jeffren. Jeffren. Jennifer. (laughs) Coffinbarker. Uh Lauren the Elorian is down on the planet getting weird. Berman Berman Braga Braga. Victor Romero. Uh Joey Trashbags. L like you, but five better. Ma- Maiden. I'm sorry. Aladdin. Aladdin from Michigan. What font Vince do Butler. I have this set on? I'm gonna go maybe from Yeah, I'm gonna I'm oh Wingdings, that's so much better. Possibly. I'm, I was at uh hundred percent. Now I'm at four hundred percent. Here we go. Oh, nice. Vince Butler, Matthew. you said, okay. and then I say Matthew Bits, Chicago Joe, Andrew French, Christopher Chris Christopherson, Bonnie Latrell, Kyle White, Christy, Jonathan Munoz, Martin Thomas Couture, Jennifer Cable, Laurie Kincaid, Brad Harris, Valerie Rorick, John Douglas Forrest, uh, Leansa. This is a copy of Jeffrey's hologram, who was found by an alien by alien historians and is on trial. Please leave a message. <laughs> John Dews. Lieutenant Angel Cruz. Nathan Sweet. Lieutenant Christine Assad. Martha. Martha. Why did you say that name? Remember Justice League? Good times. Sorry. All right. Batman yeah. v Superman, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> yeah. Weird turn. Say, uh, Martha. <laughs> Both, we both have connections to our moms. Oh, can you imagine just sitting at the computer, coming up with that, going like, "Well, hang on, their moms are both Martha." Oh yeah, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Kit Gates, Lieutenant Keats, Christopher L. Mitchell, Benjamin Simcoe, John Macy, Maddie H, Rob Wisdom, John Matthews, Niles Andreg, Matthew Holmes, Mister the Ultimate Trekker. Captain Cybertrini, his combadge on his brown coat, batleth in hand, and Crynith unsheathed. Wow. That's a little bit of a firefly snuck in there. Oh, that's what it is. Look, watch the show. Come on, man. What? I, they, I've I, never I, seen it. Ah. MST3 Katie. You know. Anybody who wants all the other stuff, the Battlestar Galactica and everything, good uh, luck. It seems like we're Marvel never going to get to it. making stuff, and Star Trek Marvel? has 900 series. Yeah. MST3 Katie. Archer Palms, a.k.a. Vertigin... Oh, jeez. Vertiginousness. <laughs> you always say it. And he I loves don't. it. He loves it. He gets you. Matty Chappie. Uh, Jane Lindgren. Zach Enberg. Natasha Harrison. Husker Danny B. Patrick. Lieutenant Daniel Weiss. <laughs> I love this. Seven Oaks Electrical in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Come on down. <laughs> If you're in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and you're having problems with your electrics, you ever have that light switch in your house where you're not sure what it does, but you'd like it to do something? Call Seven Oaks Electrical <laughs> in Winnipeg. We're doing variations in Boston and New York for Winnipeg. I know. Uh, Rachel Amber Bloom. Uh, I have to like rewatch um, Fubar to get my 
thick Canadian accent back. A Klingon woman welding, oh, sorry, welding, <laughs> wielding a mechleth. <laughs> What's uh, FUBAR? FUBAR is a, a very funny uh, Canadian comedy. FUBAR and FUBAR 2, actually, I think is actually funnier than FUBAR. I'm start taking some of your comedy suggestions. Um, Isaac Boatsit. Joel Ahrens. Alexander Markowitz. Mad Seb. Walter. Jeff McGregor. Mike Booneckley. Flying Octopus of the Northwest. The Mediocre and Average Doug. Hannah Silver. Jinkman91. Carrie Hunter. Lieutenant Jason Leach. Lawrence Thurman. Ambassador James Holloway with Diplomatic Immunity. Sean. Adam Ringland. Roberto. Kevin S. Brooks. Adam R. Murray. I, the cat. Shelly, Queen of the Shellyac, Vassil. Jeffrey Maddox. Cabro. Michael Parsons. Jess, friend of Dara. Sorry, I'll do this correctly. Jess, friend of Dorana. Sorry, Star Trek. It's a Dugongs and Sea Dragons podcast. Grace Ellen Meixner. Uh, Leprechaun! <laughs> Charlie. Daniel Harris. Lieutenant Thomas McGowan. Jack Diamond. Uh, John Weggie, Team Pigeon Double Take. Thank you, John, for being on the right side of history. Todd Harmon. Garrett Avilar. And congratulations, everybody. We are now one-third through this list. <laughs> are we? We're yeah. not even one-third. We are one-third. Oh, I guess I'm counting from the, Sean? the 666. <laughs> yes. Um, Heather Knight. Uh, Jar- uh <laughs> when you're a pause, that's the sound of our brains thinking. I'm going to go with Heron Severine. That's, that's as close as I would get. Are, is Team Pigeon double take because one of you thought it was funny and one of you thought it was ridiculous? Uh, no, it was the what was what we each thought was the most ridiculous moment in Bond in the Bond franchise history, and I think it was when the pigeon saw the gondola go across of Venice course. on the street and did a double take. What was his? Matt Gorley think it's, thinks it's when uh, Kananga <laughs> turned into a balloon and, blew, and exploded. Well, that, no, you got your hands down. Team Pigeon double take for me, too. Thank you. Um, Megan Brady Wright. Peter Goodwin. Matt Snyder. I was, you know, it's funny as I was, uh, this is more bonus content, really, if anyone wants to listen to this, but like I was, <laughs> I was listening to a YouTube like playlist as I was going, trying to go to sleep last night. Yeah. And I, there's this YouTube channel I love. It's Australian. It's called Mr. Sunday Movies. Yeah. And I was like, I was like half asleep and I heard him plug James Bonding. <laughs> And I was just like, I woke up in the morning. I was like, did that? Did I dream that that happened, or was that? Did that actually happen? And then I checked in the morning, and I was like, oh no, that actually happened. And That's I was nice. like, I was like, oh, he thinks it's back in, a, in more than it is. Uh, Say it again. He I was like, oh, he thinks the podcast is more back than it actually is. Oh, I see. <laughs> I was like, mm, I mean, it's back, but is it? Hey, can I? Can I throw out a ridiculous, uh, another ridiculous option for Bond? Yes. What about uh, when he does uh, an octopusy? When he does the Tarzan yell? Mm. 
it's not as far as the pigeon. I think the pigeon still wins. But uh, hang on, let me just. I just want to play it for you, just so you know what I was, what I was half asleep listening to, and then I was like, wait, what? I know all of the songs and all the names of all of the band members of Radiohead. You wouldn't even bother asking me specific questions about Radiohead because you would know that I would know the answer. Also, I love podcasts. One that I've been into for a very long time, and I'm glad they're back in a big way, is James Bonding, which is a hilarious deep dive into every entry in the James Bond franchise. Now, you might be wondering, oh, what's this you're poking around on? Well, this is Amazon Music. (laughs) That's an ad they did for Amazon Music, and I was like... Oh, it's so funny. Weird. Uh, I was, by the way, there's so much cross-pollination between the things that they they talk about and I talk about that I was like, they have to hear. We have to hear each other. <laughs> there's yeah. no way we don't. Uh, now, after Maybe, Scott Farley. <laughs> did we do Scott Farley? I don't know. We did Matt I know Snyder. I, did, I don't know. Megan Brady Wright, Peter Goodwin, Matt Snyder, Scott Farley, Andre... Yeah. Andre Bayou, the one Romanian on board. <laughs> Welcome. Our ship's compliment includes one Romanian. Uh, <laughs> Heath Korshigan, thank you. Gregory Darian, thank you. Duncan Delp. Uh, thank you to Michael Matina. Daniel Heron. Kevin Johnstone. Roberta Cat. Lieutenant Lawrence. M.W. Sean Cameron. The other thing, and Andy uh, is now re- referring back to uh, Mr. Sunday Movies. I was once listening to a breakdown they were doing of Spider-Man 3. Yeah. And uh, they played a clip of uh, Sam Raimi answering a question about Spider-Man 3. And okay. I heard me in the middle of that. I was like, oh, that was me asking that question on a, oh, wow, <laughs> on a, on fun. a podcast. That's fun. Uh <laughs> Andrew, Sam Raimi. I'm sorry, Andy Benton. Oh, he's great. What do you think, Omar? Omar, do you want to meet Sam Raimi? I'm a Ted Raimi fan. Well, me too. I enjoyed him on Sequest, Omar. Zach Smith. <laughs> um, Zach Smith. Seamus O'Toole. Darmok and Jerry at the coffee shop. Patrick Reese. Eric Peoples. You lost your music. I did uh, lose John, my music when I was Jonah fucking around with the other things. With my Jonah thing I dreamt. Brule. Brule. Like goulet. Remember? Sure. Remember Will Ferrell would do that goulet and everyone thought it was the funniest? That's right. Even though most people didn't know who he was he was doing an impression of. <laughs> David Kay, Jonathan Feller. Beth Baldwin. Nick Lyncher. Oh, I like it. Two at a time. Let's do it. David Veenstra, DJ TJ Hooker, and the Chatones. John King, Lieutenant Tom Bondurant. Kelly Sweeney and Michael Rossi. David Pinson, Stephanie Dyerson. Derek Knighton, Elizabeth. That's Carrick not Jones. one name, it's two names. <laughs> J.R. Johnson. Parker Davidson and Zach McCullough. Noah Sudret, John Zates. Brett LeBlonde, Sean Lyons. Beep, boop, boop, beep. Carolyn McNamara. <laughs> James When you put them together, they, yeah. both, they both all sound yeah. like they're... Carolyn McNamara called herself beep, boop, boop, beep. <laughs> James McLaughlin and Hayden. Justine Adamek and Rose Harless. Craig Little and Kevin Polly. Ivan Bemshot, Stephanie Simmons. Adrian Kopp and Kenny Meehan. Matt Fader, another guy who knows... 
what a block zone is. For those of you who are unfamiliar, a block zone is a section of a ride that only one car can pass on at one time. Uh, Hampus Theander and Trevor Kozdrowski. Sam Pass, James Mainero. Chris Yates, Paul Magnus Calabro. Kobaya Shimaru. Uh, <laughs> Debbie Lemon. Mark, uh, I'm going to say that's Isari or Lis- <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be Isari. You definitely said it before, whatever it is. No, but is it an I or an L? It's an, that's an I. Oh, that's it's an obviously I. Obviously, capital I. Yeah. If it was Times New Roman, I wouldn't have that problem. That's right. Patrick. Steve Haas. Bob Blair. Catherine Gartner. Uh, F. Kujet. David. Matthew Collins and Matt. I'm sorry. Michael Collins and Matthew M. Columbus. Nelson Helwig. Joe Lenzen. Santi Mastriana. Jeff Caramaza. Amy Gibbs. Chuck Credo. Laura Palma Blanford and Philip Hanshai. James Tuttle. Candy Lineup. Michael Shade and Brian Stromitz. Mark Brueger, Corey Colbert. Jiminy Jillikers and Feldybumf. Bill and Ted Minutes, Cedron Law. Ed Mundy and Miguel A. Moretta. Thanking a Mikey Melton, Winston Stauffer. Can I get a Jim Kellanan and a Pat E, please? Hey there, Grant McGuire and Daniel Permit. <laughs> Adam Sullins and Nick G are on the air. <laughs> Molly Murphy White and Beth Clark in the house. <laughs> Julie O and the great and terrible Lizak have the floor to themselves. It's skate, <laughs> couple skate. Transporting in, it's Jeffrey Parker <laughs> and Adrian Big Clark. Hey, look, it's Josh Moore and Roberto. <laughs> oh, and there's Gwethelyn Williams and Christopher Montoya putting them down in the corner. Should we just do dedications from one person to the other? This one goes out from John G, <laughs> who... Uh, just really, uh, just wanted to say he's sorry, Cedric Clark. <laughs> Nurse Agawa's fifth line, cue the music. Uh, I never says, have it ready for that. Sorry you never had uh, the, uh, that fifth line, Lucas Wayne. Uh, where was I? Jay from. Jay from ScienceDiv.com, the triple people, and Sarah Friedman, thank you. Julie Cousins, Rob. Michelle Fairbanks and Delphi Blues. Elizabeth Story and David Fiola. We got a great show for you tonight. We got Richard Phillips, and of course uh, Dana L. McCabe is going to be here. <laughs> and later in the night is Todd <laughs> Meyer, and tonight performing Igsha. <laughs> uh, sorry, Andrew McClure at JJ and Jess at Tanagra. The pizza, good. Thomas and Jonathan Meisner, Denise Kupferschmidt and Dylan Ekmalian. Uh, Jeff Weiner and Judge 439 Fire That's what this music is <laughs> Yeah uh, Noah Smith, Andy the Astrophysicist My consulting fee is $17.01 Darren Gleaton and Edward Andre Acevedo uh, Mark Redenius Sorry, Mark Redenius and Steve Thomas uh, Daniel St. Louis um, and Melody, the one in Australia. Ready? Hang on. Let's do this right. Tonight! <laughs> uh, from studio, I forget what the studio was, at 30 Rockville Plaza, it's David Letterman! Tonight, we welcome Daniel St. Louis... 
From the new movie of Australian (laughs) descent, we've got Melody. (laughs) Kieran O'Sullivan's coming by. (laughs) And Ryan Hecht from the new movie, Hectville. Here to promote those Dallas Cowboys, it's the owner, Jerry Brown. (laughs) And promoting a new movie, Joel Greenbaum. (laughs) Got real bad there. Sorry, everybody. And the champ, Chamberlain. And the comedy stylings of Kellen Adamson, <laughs> as well as Sully and Cash. Right. Comedy, that, comedy that stylings. Dumb. That was dumb. Yeah. That was, was great. That was dumb. <laughs> Rutger Hauer, ironically, was the next name. That's oh, the only shit. one that fit. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Tim Shields and Scott Watson, thank you. Amber Schmidt and Tom Hagopian, thank you. Uh, John Lynn and Kvart on Facebook and Instagram. The dude never bowls. Sad and broke for line extra needs cash for tuition for specific acting training. Oh, yeah. Andy remembers this one. Yep. <laughs> Sending a chill down my spine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, in my head that music means, oh, great, it's only going to be another four hours tonight. <laughs> <laughs> they recorded and I was always so uh, envious because the uh the um the uh the joke writers they got to leave after the monologue like minutes after the this <laughs> and the sketch writers which I was a part of were there until like 11 p.m. every night. Oh, this is just the uh this is just the music. Did you like to throw Max into things? Um, you know, he was always a go-to here and there. <laughs> he wasn't. We're, he wasn't great. <laughs> uh, we got uh, the dude never bowls, sad and broke, four line extra needs cash for tuition for specific acting training. <laughs> we'll get you that. Jacob Reichart. Uh, oh wait, did I skip you? No, I already did that. Uh, Jacob Reichart, Zach Crom, Eric Vanover at Erica Laughing at Commodore Six D Four, Stuart Allen, story by Rick Marman and Brian Raga. And a werewolf with a Chinese giant salamander in their hand. Uh, David Landau, thank you. And Joe Moore, thank you. Tim Collins, thank you. And Thomas Nettleton. Uh, we're going to go ahead and thank Glenn Wakeley and Brian Rowinkle. Frederick Rombout said, Daryl the Animal Noy. Uh, Catherine, thank you, Jeff. The human and Maximus the dog here with stupid Petrix. Um, See I, did there? I did as he tied it back <laughs> in. I appreciated that. Art Nitsky and how long can a profile name be? This long. Wow. This is longer than I would have expected. Good Lord, the letters. Secunda. That kind of sounds like a Tonight an we have <laughs> Jesse Elliott, Tim Glover from the President's Circle, Nick and Dan Billing. <laughs> Lance Daniel Hepper and Alexander Cruz stopped by. <laughs> Jonathan Sourshell and Jonathan Leader. We're giving away a big-ass ham tonight with stupid <laughs> human tricks, along with Lieutenant JM and Ted Marth. Uh, Joe Blow, Daniel Stanstaco. And a top ten list from Mike Roberts and Cody Stanley. <laughs> Is Stephen Cotter going to be here? Or Andrew Brenneman? <laughs> we'll see. 
Don the Don Donson, Jorgen Peterson, Jeffrey Child, Rob Baptiste, Alex Kubrick, Fifth Yankers, the Spirit Animal, David Letterman. <laughs> Um, Biffy Hager, nice, tied it in. <laughs> um, Zach McGraft, Kyle Robertson, uh, John Turin, Alex D. Gleason. Gesslin. I'm sorry, Gesslin is the correct way to pronounce that. Joyce Hudson, Carmen DeHoog. Uh, we got Eric B. and Stephen McVicker. Do you want me to take a couple while you find more music? Yeah, Aaron, please. William Timmon. Adrian Carter, Marcus Erlinson, thank you. Thank you to Andrew Reeves, Matthew Dillon, Matthew Smith, Matthew Cutler, JC Shaggy. Okay, Ugly right. bags of mostly water. <laughs> Matt Schaefer. <laughs> yes. Millies. Tonight. <laughs> Connor Hull. And right, Risa Kotchuk. Simon Harper. Ryan Solo. I can't do an ad for some reason. Karnak. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Stenrid. And Trek Barnes. Uh, Sophie. Sophie. Sofa King. Cool Matt Wipert. Chris Leopold. I really can't do an ad for some reason. That's one of the easiest impressions. Uh, oh, Doc with that trumpet. Loving it. I miss late night television uh marcella vita the specific actor tranny is holding an ip scanner i think you might have skipped chris dq ruler of the far-flung regions master of the good versus bad pizza holder of the sacred chalice of jalex i only missed him because i wanted you to say it and joe sullivan jeff jenkins and wabash kosak kosak peter shern uh jeremy uh kip corbett cd uh, we've run out of music again. <laughs> You're picking openings to TV shows. Well, I, Seth J. Boudreau. Andrew Polkrang. Short they were. Aaron N. Joe Moran, a.k.a. Nomad's Muscles Ripley. Stalwart Neelix Defender, currently adrift in space. Mike Laban. Thank you to Scott Bradley. Thank you to Richard Craig. Brandon, Andy says... It right. Matt says it wrong. Callenger. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Uh, Dick Warlock, Esquire. <laughs> Richard Wilkinson. Uh, uh, Alex Carrico, Andrew Barber, and Joel Cude. Thank you. Jason Brown. Ben Badenock. Uh, thank you to uh, Gary Martinez and CC Sadler. Zach Kerr. Thank you to Zach Wilson, Lieutenant Commander Zach Wilson. Uh, thank you to Tim Siebel and Larry Santiago. Thank you to Becca Shoemaker and Gareth Case. Uh, thank you to Lorne Michaels, of course. Jet Jurgens, <laughs> Jesse <laughs> this, Hendricks. This is, the end. this is the end. That one I can do. Oh, oh I see. It's yes. just the people saying goodbye and <laughs> waving at the yes, end. Yes, thank you to Derek Hawkins and Rob Denton. You're great this week, Claire Powell. Thank you so much, Claire Powell's, my mom, Eric Mon, the Interrupted Tales podcast. I just want to thank Raymond and David Howe for being so cool this week, and Kathleen Guzman for uh, getting that sketch on. Christopher P. Gill, a.k.a. Chairman of the Board, great. 
Great music tonight. Carl DeAth, Kristen Scalisi, the goddess of carbs. Thank you for coming by. I can't believe it. It's live television, everybody. Adam H., thank you. And Amanda Bootwell, you were great. Adam Rogers, also very good. Barry Wallace, you were cut for time. Barry Wallace, Handiza Hakunda. Handiza, I don't know. I know it's supposed to be my name, but I can't figure <laughs> out what the. Handiza Kahunde. There you go. There you go. Uh, and thank you to Dan McLeod, Alex Boussier, a picture of Madoween holding a resume. Seriously, I need a job. DM the, the underscore Madoween on Instagram. <laughs> Get this guy a job, folks. Uh, Kurt Kelly, thank you. Keith Bodela, thank you. And Kim Vilsack, thank you to Brett Parsons, Katie Campbell, Jerry Canavan. Heisenberg Overcompensator, Fred Coppersmith, and Vanilla Thunder, thank you. Ryan, not a doctor, but willing to accept the position. Doom. Catface. Emily Eldred. Emily Eldred. Oh, see? Edwards, Sorry. Kevin Corticus, and Ross the head, Headless Thompson. Gunner McLeod. Herbert Urutia. Nate Richmond, Paul Brisk. Lieutenant Commander Paul Brisk. Julian Randalls, Blake Pettit. Robert Olson, the Kembles. Andrew Witzel, Mary Mack. Derek Westover, Lizzie D., thank you. Tony Rideout, Trekaholic, another Star Trek podcast, Will Holsclaw, Jeff Needs a Pizza 2, Tyler Rosewood, Joe Fermanek, and Jason Sinclair. Lisa Gomez, Stevie Marie Nickel, Alan L., I'm Jason Quayle, and you're not. Oh, let me do that the way uh, the way Chevy did it. Sure. I'm Jason Quayle, and you're not. <laughs> nice. Mark Mitchell, Sir Reginald Pennybottom, Stephen Harcourt, Steve Harcourt. Uh, Katie, get the cheese to Sick Bay Whitestone. <laughs> Paul Sharp, Catherine Shimmons, Christopher Colbert, or Colbert, Eric Rumfelt, and Dan Costellic. Andrew Ingram, Chad Fate, Lieutenant Matt Weber, Lieutenant Andrew Gibson, Lieutenant Jason Warren, Lieutenant Tish Wheeler. Daniel Perez, Matt Burke, Kevin Brown, Ben Roach, William Smith, Mike Webster, the Squire of Gothos. Thomas Peering, Brian Adams, Paul Carley, Kelly Coe, Queen Elizabeth of the House. Of Simpson, Scott Austin, Anders, just a member, another member of this dangerous, savage child race, Peterson. Uh, Ann Sampson, Claudia, Brian Hellman, Karen Vanoff, Veronica Wisely, Chief Technical Officer Troy Ray, and Mike Jones, thank you so much for being here. Scott Burnett, Brett Euler, Stephen Small, Brett Nettleton, Christopher Finagy, Sandra M., Foglegs, and Mike Gaylord, thank you so much. Uh, Dean Nettleton. Dean Edelton. What did you I say? You said something different. Brett Edelton. You said you connected Brett Euler and skipped Brett Stephen Oilerton, Small, I believe. Euler. Stephen Small. Dean Edelton. All right. Back on, we're back on track with Ron LeBlanc, Jeremy Miller, James Baker, Professor of Humanities, Laura McCarricker. Frederick Roy, Jonathan, Martin Hedegaard Peterson, Lieutenant Jan Leppert, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the best Halloween candy. Oh, they Lisa. are indeed. Mick, Lisa, it's coming around. Neil are you guys Stud. putting out? You putting out uh, candies for the kids? Uh, for the kids, no, but for me, oh yeah. Uh, Carolyn Land, DW, Whiskey Ben, seventy seven, Chris Nedgewitz. Uh Andy, what? hang on a second, my uh, <laughs> my mouse just ran out of battery. That's perfect. Hang on, let do you me want see. me? To, I can get over. You to want that. me to finish? Hang on, I can do this with my keyboard. <laughs> We're on the last page. I could finish. Oh shit! Where to go? Oh fuck! Go Pat ahead, Crandall. Linea Win. Shark Carbuncle. Lieutenant Commander Mike Mann. Brian McDonald. Chris Love. 
Ian Buckley. Seems like he's clapping. Uh, Tim Cullen, Heidi Dugan. Thank you to Tony King. Thank you to Luke Morgan Rowe. Thank you to Scott Lieberman. Thanks for, for Alexander Perry. I had such a great time this week. Diane Mar- and Martin, Robin Larson, Katya Woolishin. Thank you for coming by. Chad Mathis, Simon, one of 13 Subjunction Jeff, oh, Kelly Newman, and Command Master Chief Robert Garrison. Great to have you here. I've had such a blast. God yeah. bless you all. Oh, that was the last one? Uh, by the way... We're in a very uh, curious state right now because I have to figure out how to end all this and save everything without a mouse. <laughs> this is a real Jordy situation. Oh, uh, I'll buy a little time by saying uh, every once in a while I'll get a, a, a hail from somebody that says uh, that's a patron that says, Hey, I didn't get my name read. The uh, the people in the president's circle, they get uh, they get their name read. For yeah. Their, for their... For their Lieutenants... Uh, do not get their name read yet, or maybe ever, but you are eligible to win many prizes every month. That's <laughs> very true. Just very new thing that's happening. Yeah. Uh, that said, I think I could pause that. Okay, now can I get over here? Let's see. Let's see if I can do this with my keyboard. <laughs> oh, I think I can. I think I can handle this, Andy. This exciting. But now Jesus i got to see. Jesus Christ, this is two hours and 47 minutes. I told Dory it would be three hours long, and I was not wrong. You weren't wrong. Now, let me figure out if I can play the transport thing. That's going to be a command and a forward slash. <laughs> Look at this. Look this at one. this Apple genius. Ready? <laughs> Apple right. genius at work. I'm going to get you a sign. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed that many Mac minutes. Genius. Many minutes of names. Disengage to all. <laughs> <laughs>